Hello and welcome to One Week at a Time, a Box Hill Hawks podcast. My name is Sean Peter Budge and as always we are brought to you by Budget Car and Truck Rental, a wonderful long-term supporter of the footy club. I'm already regretting tonight's decision to go with the lineup we have. It'll be amazing. It'll be wild. It'll probably be long, probably too long for one of the members on the panel. Um, so just by way of housekeeping, um, Em is with us but she's not on the episode because we were meant to record this episode last week when she wasn't with us. And Fergus Green, who is with us, is going to co-host tonight's episode. So welcome, Ferg. How are you going? I'm really excited. Really excited. You sounded. Um, you know, I've built myself up for this for a while. Um, and I guess the moment's here. It's time to shine. So who are we talking to today? We have the pleasure of going through, dissecting and getting to know uh, a couple of close friends of mine, uh, Cal Porter, Ben Guevara, in that order. Um, and yeah, getting to know a little bit about them. So as I said before, I'm super excited and I hope you are too. Uh, so you're brought to us today by your player partner, Susie Reeves, which is excellent. Um, and then we've got Cav, who's brought to us by, of all people, his player partner, which is Porter Plumbing, <laughs> uh, which is just quite extraordinary, really. Um, and Ports, who of course is uh, brought to us by the uh, Confreres, I believe. Um, who is his player partner. But before we get into it, actually, we just want to change gears a little bit. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to do it last week because we didn't have a show last week, but we just want to uh, acknowledge the passing of a really uh, wonderful Box Hill and Hawthorne supporter. His name was Arthur, um, sadly lost uh, the week before last. Uh, known as the Whistler, really um, this fantastic member of the Hawks family. You'd follow the forwards end to end and uh, had two catch cries that you would hear if you were at Box Hill City Oval um, at any home game. Big start, Hawks. He said that at the start of every quarter. Uh, and if we had a win, you could hear him bellow, uh, what a victory um, through the rooms. So um, you still hear that from time to time. Um, you know, he'll be greatly, greatly missed. So Vale Arthur to his uh, family, friends and loved ones. Um, our condolences as a football club. Um, yeah, terrible, terrible stuff. You might have maybe possibly heard it here and there. You didn't... Cav might have actually. Potentially. He's looking at me like he hasn't heard it, so we'll move on. Um, but no, it'd be greatly missed, um, Vale, to him and, and obviously his family. So uh, we'll move on now to the sort of interview uh, proper, I suppose. We'll just unmute the, the other two so they can join in. <laughs> Thank God for that. This is dangerous. This is a Good to finally be here. This is really, really dangerous stuff. It's actually an interesting time to have the three of you on because when we last played, um, things went really well collectively, but individually you all had really, really strong performances. Uh, Cav, you've got the new ball. Um, how important, I suppose, was it to get the win? And, and I suppose for the you individually, for the group collectively, how good was it to all have really good performances? Yes, Budgie, Ferg, Cal, Fergie. It's um, Ben. It's uh, it's good to be. But um, yeah, look, it was a really important game um, last weekend. We, uh, you know, we um, we need to start getting some wins on the board and. You know, these games against standalone teams are always really tough and it was, it was good to get the four points. And then I suppose for you, Ports, the season itself is pretty wild. I think we're eighth, but we're a game outside of third and a game ahead of 11th. So as we get towards the finish line a bit, um, it's a pretty exciting setup for the, the finale of the season. How are you approaching it? What are your thoughts? I'm no mathematician, Shawnee. Those numbers you threw at me were uh, quite confusing, but I know that the top eight play finals. That is what I do know, so... We've got three left. I think if we win one of those three, it's sort of uh, putting the ball in someone else's court. And 
I think if we can win two or three of those, we can really cement our spot in there. So we're very capable of that. And um, games towards the end of the year are always tough. You know, teams are really priming and ramping up towards this end of the year. So we're going to do the same. And I think our best beats anyone. So we just bring our A game and, and let the footy take care of itself. I think we'll go well. Very well said. Now, you had a pretty good day last time we were on the field, Ports. You had 45. The two men who sit in the room with us, they kicked five each. What do you think? Is that is that a five-goal haul? Is that a six-goal haul for a midfielder? What do we, as a ratio, what do we, what do we reckon? 45? Is that equal well, to... Well, goals get your name in the paper, don't they? They do. T- ten tackles and 45 may do, but the, the goals are what wins your games of footy. You kick more goals than the opposition, you, uh, you win. So all credit to Fergie and Cav for mine. Ten between them. Um, did they kick ten as a team? Uh, I don't actually know. Or did they outscore them? I, I'm pretty sure they would have outscored them, so... It's, it's bloody beautiful, and it's not the first time I've seen it, Sean, uh, and it won't be the last. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, and then lastly, before we toss the ball to Paul, uh, Ferg, I suppose, uh, how did we all spend the bye weekend? Doing anything exciting? Oh, I yeah. went back home. Uh, I hadn't been back since Easter. Ba- Ballarat? Uh, uh, there you go. Oh, sorry. They're pretty much the same. <laughs> I get them confused. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to, sorry to our um, Ballarat and Bendigo listeners. Very big in Ballarat. I know. No, shout out to them. We've got a few down there, so... Yeah, so went back home, uh, saw some family. Sister is heading to uh, Rome. Shout out to Kev. Thank you. Um, on Friday, so really good to see her. Saw her play netball and then, uh, yeah, over to actually went to Ballarat on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you just uh, said you were home, mate. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, look, it was, it was a nice weekend for me. What about you, Kev? Uh, quality time with family and friends. Um, brother's birthday as well. So John? Andrew. Oh. Andy, yep. Andreas, Andreas. So it was uh, it was great to spend some time with family and friends over the weekend. Ports, bit of golf on the Sunday morning. Um, yeah, a couple of quiet ones. Told a few lies. Um, caught up with friends. You know, just stuff that we all love to do. And yeah, that was about it. Pretty quiet, Shawnee. Love it. Ferg, you ready to go? I am ready to go. Um, let's start with my favourite ports. <laughs> Putting together a really strong season. Is there anything you could put? that down to had a, had a really good finish to the year last year um, seemed to have come in and, and had a really strong start straight away what do you think was was a bit different this year um, I was definitely one year more comfortable and with the environment and with the boys and really buying into the footy club I suppose I think coming off a list last year I've said this before I sort of had the wrong mindset I was using box hill as more of a stepping zone stepping stone to get back into the AFL and not really investing in the place as much as my, I usually would um, and probably took myself a bit too seriously. He wasn't telling as many jokes or carrying on as much, which is my bread and butter, as you know. So um, I sort of took myself a bit too seriously. But towards the back end of last year and then, yeah, kicking off this year, I've, I had some really great form um, and wanted to continue that. So a lot of it was just an on-field uh, mindset change. Um and yeah, just getting back to loving my footy, which I am this year. And when you love your footy, you play your best footy. So just a bit of that and um, good teammates around me too. Yeah, beauty. Um, and I, look, I think it's, it's been well established by the group this year about how vocal you've been, how enjoyable it is. Um, but I guess I throw this more to the room. You know, what, what are you, we've played a lot of footy together. Very yes. enjoyable. Lots of VFL footy. Lots of VFL footy. Yeah, what are some of your, your more enjoyable memories of, of playing together? Do you have anything that comes to mind instantly? I've got one personally. I think the win against Port Melbourne this year was, um, yeah, Ferg, you did kick the winner. but um, oh, And you will be first to tell us, but that was one of the 
the more memorable games that I feel like the three of us have played in together and, um, you know, do that just before a, a club function that night was uh, even better. Yeah, just to set the scene, it was my 50th game, yep. which was huge and uh, Beezer had uh, given me the skipper role for the day, which I didn't take lightly. I, I love doing that um, when I get the chance and... Yeah, it was a big game and had the Stanger Social, our, our biggest social function, player social function of the year. So uh, Charlie Beasley, shout out to him. He got that sorted. And I remember maybe five minutes to go and we, were, we needed about three goals to get up. That's about a goal a minute nearly. I thought, oh, geez, the social's ruined. The 50th <laughs> game's ruined. You know, we'll try our guts out for three minutes and just see what happens. You know it doesn't get a lot of credit in the aftermath? Ferg has the wonderful moment, which is outstanding. Someone in the room kicked a very, very important goal. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Someone I'm, in the room kicked a ripper, <laughs> ripper goal on the left, running towards the, the Bolton Street end and just punched it. And then, Ports, what about the celebration after? Oh, it was... There's a lot going on. There's was a lot the, happening. I don't know what you call this sign. I know we don't film the podcast, but it was just the, the Italian hand and the high knee run. <laughs> um, just looking for anyone to high five. And there were a few options inside. It was the old Fergus Green. Oh, he's had a look inside, no one to go to. But I've seen Cav do that before and he sort of just puts the head down and I knew he was going to kick it. He just looked at the goals, kicked it beautifully. I did look. There were a couple of options, but I think they, um, they got closed down pretty quickly. So I, I had no option but to kick it. And um, <laughs> but The good players take big moments mm. and say, boys, just jump on my back. Yep. I'll execute here. And you both did that perfectly. Great story that comes from that game. We've talked about the goals. Cal mentioned five minutes left. And uh, that night at Stanger Social, he said one thing and he said the lever was pulled. <laughs> he did. And yeah. Porter went from half back to the middle and the game was turned on its head. Break glass in case of emergency <laughs> up in the coach's box. Apparently um, he went up to Proc with five minutes to go and he goes, Walked up into the Do box. you want to win this game or not? <laughs> Unusually walk to the box. <laughs> nah, uh, by the phone. On the phone. Yeah. Well, I mean, it happened against Richmond as well. That was three-quarter time. Uh, mm, that was a great start to the quarter as well, that one. The yeah. goal straight out of the middle, 12 seconds. Mm. It was outrageous. So yeah. what, what about you? Do you have a memory of playing footy with the uh, boys, Ports? Or a favourite moment? Well, we've had two great wins against Werribee and Port Melbourne this year, which is amazing, but... At the time at the Bulldogs, I probably can't think of games specifically, but... Because um, you would have spent... I suppose it's different, because at the Bulldogs, you actually spent probably more time off the field together in a weird... In a sort of way. Here, it's Tuesday, Thursdays, captain runs games, whatever. But when you're all in the full-time system together, it's probably less about the on-field stuff, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's... Um yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Like, we, we I probably don't have on-field moments, but it was just getting to spend six, seven days a week together. Um, plenty of great moments, plenty of table tennis matches and lunches and uh, long meetings and, you know, all, all gym stuff, all the good stuff that we love doing as full-timers and uh, now as part-timers, we're, uh, we're probably playing our best footy, arguably. So um, maybe that's a little plugged for a bit of less training, I don't know. It was interesting. We actually didn't play many games together at the Bulldogs. No, I was injured a lot in Cavs' first year. Cav was injured a lot in his first mm. or second year. So we actually didn't really come together that much. So it's, it's quite funny that now we're at Box Hill. Everyone seems to be clicking and, and we're rolling a bit. But for, for three guys who have quite a strong connection, we didn't actually get to play that much footy together at Footscray. 
We did have a few games in the hub together. If you remember the <laughs> 12 v 12s. Oh, <laughs> hub, listen, hub footy is... It's the way of the future. Oh. We were the best hub football team in the land. Mate. And the, the amount of room in a 12 v 12 full ground game, someone's got to get out the back. Forget AFL. Somebody AFLX. has to get there. Forget it. Oh, well, well, <laughs> we, we would love to forget AFL. No. We're the worst team. Ports and I are lucky to be enough, uh, luckily, lucky oh. to be enough to be a part of the worst AFLX team in the history of the game. Ever. I, I, and I'm probably leading the charge there, Ferg. So. <laughs> the lowest rated AFLX player. Jack, in the Jack, history Jack of the Red game. Path was our skipper. Yep. And shout out to Redders. I know, um, I know he'll be listening. But. Um, yeah, so th- this is like my first introduction to the AFL system and just AFL games. It, it wasn't a proper AFL game, but I was out there against AFL opposition. I thought, AFLX, let's just, I'm on the tally, this is great. Mum's taping it on Fox Footy, <laughs> it's great. And I'm playing down forward because that's just where they were trying to hide me at the time. And Dane Rampy, have you heard of him? I have. <laughs> um, pretty handy footballer. Um, he was playing on me at halfback and... Uh, Long story short, managed to sneak down, um, did Dane, and he kicked three super goals <laughs> <laughs> in one quarter on me. And I didn't say super, super. They were sponsored by Zupa 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 Dupas. Got to recognise the sponsor. And yeah, what, so, what were they worth? Were they tenors? Oh, they were a oh. lot. They ended up pretty quick. Yeah. I, it's a bit of a blur. It's a repressed memory. But the thing I do know is that, yeah, Dane Rampey, shout out to Dane. He, um, He'll be listening. He'll be listening. He kicked three super goals in a quarter. And what was the message at quarter time? Halftime. They were only half. Thank God. Half time. Yeah. They only Robert Harvey's um, for the AFLX. To be honest, I got no idea what the <laughs> message was. Um, you didn't get any no tighten up ports. Come on. Yeah. Really let him off the leash there, which is um, which is something that I'll let my Fords know these days as a halfback. You know who's let me off the leash, sort yeah. of uh, sort of types. So. Um, yeah, the shoe's on the other foot now, but Dane had an absolute field day and, um, yeah, the rest is history. How'd you go in the AFLX arena? Where was that at? Uh, where'd you guys play? We were in it? Sydney, yeah. so a bit of travel yeah. was pretty exciting. I think the club looked at it as a really good opportunity for the young guys. Um, I don't think that they realised they were throwing us into the deepest end uh, and that we were about to be 70 points down at halftime of a 10-minute game. <laughs> no, <laughs> but Zoopers. It's a long way back. It's a long way back. Zoopers. Zoopers. So. We thought if we get a couple of Zoopers, geez, we're rolling. <laughs> but um, I think I kicked a couple in the second game. Uh, but it was a pretty grim day. We flew up the night before, got rolled by, <laughs> I, I dare say, 90 in the first game. And in the second game, we thought we were a real show against Gold Coast. I reckon we lost by 80. And then had to do running after because it wasn't enough of a session. Oh. And then flew back that night. That was, a, that was probably one of the grimmest times where I thought... This is my, because I was similar to Ports, this is my first AFL experience and we've just been flogged in 20 minutes of action. <laughs> what do you think of the actual game though? I reckon it got a bad rap. I reckon it's a social thing, it'd be okay. Yeah, I think it was designed to be an overseas sort of yeah, project, like a 2020 sort of thing. Um, did they market it correctly? No. And, and, no, and was it, was it done in a proper way where you go, this is meant to be for... For amateurs or for, for people who are just taking up the game. No, they didn't and, do that either. And instead they put professional athletes out there who had played the same way for their whole lives and, and everyone hated it. <laughs> I know poor, poor Lucas Webb, another shout out to him who will be yeah, listening. Um, he hated every second of it. Uh, mm. So did Red, who was even captain. Uh, mm. 
And yeah, I think the only reason I enjoyed it was because I got to wear the AFL logo for once because I was always yes. wearing the VFL with Footscray. So. Yes, the jumper's different, only yeah. slightly. Yeah. Oh, only slightly. <laughs> <laughs> only slightly. Uh, so I suppose you, you guys, we'll just change gears a little bit, but I mean, you've all got a wealth of really, really useful experience to share with our younger you know, boys. Um, how much of the opportunity do you guys value to sort of pay that experience forward? I suppose we'll go with you, Cav, first. Yeah. You know, you, you do a bit of stuff with uh, Jake Arundel, yep. just as an example. Um, the snake. How, how valuable is that opportunity for you? Oh, it's massive. And I think, um, you know, it's, it goes both ways. Um, you know, I feel like I help snake out a little bit. Um, you know, on off-field, you know, the on-field stuff in terms of positioning and um, that small forward sort of craft stuff. But, um, you know, he, he helps out me, me too. So I think it goes both ways and, and the three of us. Oh, yeah, the three of us boys actually help out. I feel a lot of the younger fellas, a lot of the club, and, um, yeah, I think it's a two-way street, but, you know, a lot of that has come from Snake, for example. He's He came up to me and asked, has asked for a lot of help. So um, he's outsourced that, which I think is um, a really good quality in a young person because it can be it can be hard coming to a VFL club, you know, for the first time. So um, the more that we can help out these younger, younger boys come through, um, it's only going to make them better players. Go back in time for you a little bit. When you first got to Frankston yep. in the VFL, did you do that with any of the senior or more senior boys there? Did you seek out a mentor type or was it a coach, a player? Yeah, yeah. so the captain at the time, Lee Kitchen, um, I don't know, we just we, we formed a really good bond sort of straight away coming from a similar sort of area growing up. And, um, you know, and this was at Frankston when I was, I was 18. I think Kitch at the time, he was the captain. He would have been 23, 24 years old and he's still playing in Subiaco in... Um, in WA at the moment but um yeah he helped me out massively with my game and um he's someone I still talk to now and you know we, we keep in touch and, and still connect so um you know hopefully me and Snake can continue that relationship too. I suppose for you for forward as well but a different type of forward do you use the same opportunity the same platform to help a developing type? Yeah definitely I don't know if I'm more as much one-on-one as Cav um I'm probably more probably more just a passing comment if I see something um, I enjoy talking to the guys about their game. You know, Port, I know Ports is big on that as well. You know, if, if they're playing local, what what more can we find out about them and how they're going? I know Horace Mackey, um, he had, you know, 30 and, and a couple. And, He's and killing best it on. for the Barkers. Yeah. And, 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 was that 30 and one and best on just this week or the other 20 rounds of the year? No, I think, I he's, think he's done that, he's that the only, once. He's the only person Not who, twice. Thrice. He's the only Thrice person nice. to add um, goal-kicking prowess every single round this year. Um, he couldn't add more to his game. They said, oh, he's just adding a bit more to his game every week. But he's done it 20 weeks. It's the same thing. What more thing. can he add? <laughs> he's been banging down the door for if anything, ages. He's, he's actually plateaued. Yeah, yeah. I but, think he's still getting better. Yeah. And no, and he, he's been good, but it is good to talk to those guys. But I think the thing that amazes me is that Cavett still has relationships with guys he played footy with 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Chitch and Kitch. Yeah, Chitch and Kitch, yeah. <laughs> Chitch and the Kitch. Get used to that, Cam. I think there's more coming. Oh, beautiful. And then I suppose for you, <laughs> for you Ports, different type of player again. We're going to have this conversation for the third time because you made it when we did your little write-up. Um, but I thought what you had to say about versatility, you were talking to your, the group and was just brilliant. It was a group of young guys. And I thought you really sort of cut to the core of be versatile, be able to do a lot of things, be uh, something that or someone the coaches can go to for a number of different roles. And when you come into a system like this, that'll make you a really valuable commodity. But that's obviously something you developed over the course of a couple of years. Is that something you speak a lot about to the boys? Yes, a little bit. Um, 
I think versatility can be taught a little bit, but um, we it's all... It's more like a preparedness to be like, to come in and... So you, you uh, part of the way through last year, you sort of went to a kind of like a lockdowny defender type role, but that's not what you came to the football club as. And then at times this year, you've done a little bit of everything. You've played a bit of half forward. You've obviously run through the middle. You've done some tagging jobs. You've played a lockdown small defender. I suppose it's just that preparedness to go, yeah, what do you need me to do? I'll mm-hmm. give it a go. Yeah, line training is the absolute worst for me because I just don't know where to go. You know, forwards, backs, mids, here, where do the utilities go? He I, says that. I'm going to have to jump time. in. He says that mm. every single training. Yep. Where do the utilities go? We don't have a utilities coach. We have a forwards, mids, backs coach and it is the hardest decision for me, which, which is, you know, comical, I will say, but I think it's a way to keep yourself in the side. Um, for me personally, as we touched on, I wasn't playing my best footy early on at the footy club as a midfielder and instead of just getting dropped to local I was able to find a new role and a new way to keep myself in the side um so that's one part form but also with selection at an AFL alignment a lot of it is over our head so if four Hawthorne mids get dropped well I'm gonna have to play half forward wing half back which I think I can do so I definitely preach that to the younger boys but I think my specialty is midfield craft I've always played middle so a lot of the young guys I work with are midfielders um, so just little tips and tricks. I, we've played with so many great midfielders like uh, Bont, Libba, McRae, these sorts of types. And um, Shout out to all of them. They'll, they'll be, be, listening. They'll be listening, listening as well. Um, th- they made opportunity difficult at our previous footy club, but I wouldn't have developed as well if I didn't have those experiences with those guys. So I think anything I can pass on from those guys um, to the young Box Hill boys, um, just like it was passed on to me, I try and do that. And, yeah, mainly midfield craft for me is my specialty and I just work with a lot of the young mids, Maxie Hall, Louis D'Angelo um, in particular and, and Horse Mackey, as we spoke about. So um, those are sort of my main boys and, um, yeah, I just try and help them with little tricks and watch vision things like that. Can you tell – so just give me an example. Like the Gold Coast game is probably not a bad one where we go up there and Alex Sexton gets off the chain early mm. and your role changes really quickly – What's, what's that conversation like? What's your mindset like when the coach comes and says, we're flipping your magnet, you go in a sextant? That's just an example because it's happened a few times. Yeah, it usually happens the other way. I'm back going into the middle. But this time I was playing in the midfield um, on Fiorini and he'd had a goal and probably 15 touches in the first quarter. So <laughs> It started well. Um, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that wasn't working, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is fine. Um and it's just about problem solving. Like I've had a lot of great roles where I've locked down people, but I've also had a few times where it hasn't worked. So it was the ability to try something different, try a position. And um, it was just a conversation at quarter time. And it's probably set up or scaffolded from conversations I have with Proc during the week. He says, we're going to start you here. If this happens, I might, I might throw you here, but just be prepared to do whatever. Um, and particularly if it's something's not working, I'm always keen to try something else. Um, rather than just grinding away at the same thing and flogging a dead horse, if you will. Um, so in that game in particular, Sexton was playing really well and um, it was just a match-up change and played well on Sexton in the second half and found a way to have an impact. Um, but, yeah, ma- maybe the poor start to that game was to do with something in my prep. Um, you know, okay. flying up to the Gold Coast, I... Uh, oh, dear. This I, I haven't had my best oh, yes. moment from, from a packing point of view. Oh. Mm. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> Tell the story, I reckon. Yeah, to, to set the scene there, I 
I have some uh, red boots that um, are famously worn. I've, I've worn in the last couple of years. and um, used to be white. They used to be white. I, I just played a game in them and um, they were both red, uh, you know, quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the left one might have taken a bit longer after my uh, Andrew Collins left foot ban, which I'm now luckily off, but... That's a story for another hour. I'm in the middle of another story. I can't start it's another like story. It's in layers of stories. I've just answered your question with another question. <laughs> no, sorry. So prep for Gold Coast. Uh, I meet at Cav's house um, in the morning and it's still dark. I have two pairs of these red boots. They were on the uh, back seat of the car. We get there. I just I pick up the two closest boots I could see, chuck them in the bag. We hop on the plane, chuck the tunes on pre-game, you know, everything's in the locker, strapped up. I go, all right, where are these boots? And I look in, grab the bag, pull them out, and I've got two left boots. <laughs> because they're exa- the exact same boot, two, uh, two red boots, and I've got two lefties. And my first instinct was, oh, could I just slip them on and wear them? <laughs> <laughs> this is so embarrassing. And then quickly I realised, well, no, I couldn't. Um, and I went straight to my man, Cav, and he's probably the most prepared and professional player that I know, and he has a boots. He takes three boots yeah, everywhere. I took three. Yeah. He takes usually a couple with himself, and he, he might trust Harry Rook with one pair, but uh, he doesn't always trust him. So I knew that Cav would have something similar size to me, and um, wore, wore a pair of Cav Silver Nikes, and yeah, apart from the start, got the job done, and we, and we got the win, and uh, we're pretty good away from home. So um, we had a, another great win, but it was just a small speed bump in the. Uh, in the road t- towards a great win, which which it was. <laughs> no, it was a good one. And, and I guess going back to that, that point of versatility, Port's obviously well known for being able to play most positions on the, on the ground. Cav, known for a different sort of versatility, being able to try and play for all 21 clubs in the NFL. There's a reason for uh, each change. I'll, I'll ask well. the questions. Thanks, mate. Carry on. <laughs> um, I guess a little, little known fact about you was that you actually were at Box Hill just after you left Easton in uh, 2014, many, many moons well, ago. For a good time. Oh, I wasn't here. For a long time. At City I wasn't Oval. here. I, I did a week of training at Box Hill. Didn't enjoy it? No, no. So normally the pathway from Eastern Ranges and the relationship's really good now, but the pathway is generally to go from, you know, Eastern Ranges, you don't get picked up, you come to Box Hill and this is sort of where you play your trade. And, um, and I did a, a week of training here. Marco Bella was the coach here, um, got along with him really well and then... I had um, a couple other clubs call and then Frankston called me to go down there and, um, and just give it a go for a week and um, I went with a pretty open mind and um, yeah, I just, I, I connected really well with Kitch who I spoke about before, Jaden Cass and a lot of the other um, boys at the club there and I actually went there not knowing anyone and um, the decision for me was one more so out of my comfort zone. Um, no, Fergo wasn't the money. Um, Cha-ching! <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was, yeah, it was out of my comfort zone and, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, you, you, you go from not getting picked up and you think, okay, what's the quickest way to get there or what should I do here and, well, you know, that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, it was out of my comfort zone and I kind of felt like that was my best opportunity to play senior V for footy at the time and, um, yeah, I love my time at Frankston. Do we want him to walk us through his, his well, his journey throughout half the VFL? Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess I'd like to start a little bit before that. Um, a really You've set him up here, budge. I don't know if I have. <laughs> a really 
you know, well-established tech cut player. You've got a resume that's that's better probably than all. De- um, decorated, very decorated. decorated. You know, we're not be better credentialed. Club best and fairest. We're talking league best and fairest. We're talking best on in a in a tech cup grand final. So obviously the question must be. How bad of a bloke are you? To not get <laughs> well, you can answer that away. for me. What do you think? Well, you must have improved. <laughs> but but talk about I guess a little bit about the process because obviously, as we said, a, a great resume. What what was sort of that next step like? You know, we talked about you going to Frankston, but what was that sort of picture in your head? It's a good setup. It's a genuine setup with a <laughs> with a bit of a clip at the intro because it's you have every right to be a bit not disappointed, of course, but. What more could you have done? Okay, what's next? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was, um, you know, it's an interesting time. You're 18 and, um, you know, you boys did it, did it the easy way. You went straight from being uh, being young straight in. But um, <laughs> just kidding, Ferg. Um, I wasn't over it. I know, I know you were 19. But um, oh, one year. Oh, well, yeah, the, well, the one year gun. counts. I, I was a gun. I just went straight in. Cry me a river. 74. Yeah, well, 70. Um, anyway, yeah, it was, um, you know, it's every 18-year-old's dream. You know, they want to get picked up and um, and you put so much time and effort into um, being picked up straight away and, you know, you hear a lot of different stories along along your sort of journey. You spoke to Dave Mirror um, a couple of weeks ago and um, and his story to, to get to the to the AFL and um, it's interesting for me, yeah, I, you know, had a pretty good under-18s year, um, did all that, played Metro, Spoke to a few clubs, came pretty close, but in the end it um, didn't eventuate. And then... Was you know, there anything ever uh, like about that? Like, because what's your mindset as 18? You're thinking you ticked just about every box you would think you would need to. And probably more, to be fair. And you're sort of going, well, you thinking I'm pretty well placed to go here. Well, you never really know. I mean, the boys can talk of it as well, but you meet with, you meet with a lot of clubs and... Um, you know, you could meet with all eighteen clubs, and I've had, I've had friends who have done that, and they didn't get picked up either. So it's just, um, you know, sometimes it's just, it's just reality. Not everyone's going. I mean, it is reality. Not everyone's going to get picked up, and um, life's not always fair, and life doesn't always go the way you plan it to. But um, yeah, you know, for me, I didn't get picked up, and then um, there was yeah, obviously all that frustration and and anger that you sort of um, you know you carry for a little bit, and it's like, okay, where to from now? Um, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I need to start setting up my life um, outside of footy too. So, um, completed a teaching degree, played footy at Frankston for, yeah, three years. Um, and my sort of change was, you know, I kept trying, came pretty close um, at Frankston for those three years. And then, you know, it just wasn't working. So, I went to a mentor of mine, Darren Buick, who was my under-18s coach um, previously. Shout out to him. He'll, he'll be listening. Yeah, Boris, he'll definitely listen. Um, Bori. And, uh, and yeah, and we were like, okay, well, let's, and you know, you talk to your mentor, you talk to your family about what's, what, like, what do I need to do? And, um, and in the end, you know, I spoke to a couple of recruiters and it was like, you know, you're not going to get picked up as a midfielder, uh, just sort of the way it was. So it's like, okay, if I keep going down that path, I'm just not going to get picked up. So let's try something different. And then. How, start- what's your initial reaction to that kind of feedback? Is it back up or is it ears open? Is it okay? All right. Oh, you have to, no, it's definitely ears open because yeah. if you, I mean, you ask for feedback and it's not always what you want to hear. Mm. So um, if you go in there with a the, with the closed mind, you're not really asking for it. Um, so for me, I went in yeah, with an open mind, wanted to hear exactly what they thought um, and, and that was their feedback and, and I just had to accept it and, and say, okay, now what can I do to 
give myself the best chance to get there. And that was playing as a, as a small pressure forward and um, made the transition, um, then moved to Williamstown, played a couple of years there. We um, had a very successful team and, you know, you go from... Um, we had a couple of hard years at Frankston at my time there and then you go to a more successful team and um, as a forward you get a lot more opportunity, ball coming in and we had a lot of really, you know, really solid leaders there, ex-AFL players who... Who helped me out a lot too, Andy Collins, Clint Proctor, a couple of the coaches, and um, it was a great era. Yeah, it really for, was. For it really was, and um, yeah, just to be surrounded by people like that, you know, um, gives yourself the best chance to, yes, get to the AFL, but if not, have somewhere where you're going to really enjoy your footy, and that's something that that Collo was really big on, and and he spoke about that when um, when I was deciding where to go after leaving Frankston and. He just said, mate, you know, this is a great place to come. You'll develop your footy. You'll make amazing friends. Um, if you make the AFL, you do. If you don't, it's going to be somewhere that you're going to really enjoy your footy. And, um, yeah, played there for a couple of years, um, really developed in that small forward role and, and then got the chance with the Bulldogs. How did that process play out? Was that, was that at the end of 18? 2018. So for you leading into, I mean, um, you guys have all had interactions with recruiters, whether it be draft time as an 18 or, in your case, throughout the – course of the next couple of years was that process different for you did it feel different this time as that draft kind of approached yeah it did it did because I'd sort of meet with one or two clubs every sort of year so when you're in the 18th year you sort of meet with a fair few and then from there was you know you talk to one or two um, each year as you go and then that that year in 2018 I met with I think it was about seven or eight clubs and um, started to really see that there was a lot of genuine interest like they I got brought into a couple of clubs to have a look around um, a couple of medicals because once you get that little bit older they want to see how your body is which is fair enough and um yeah I mean, so I, I love how he says older what were you 20 no well you're a bit older than the oh, no, you are 100% but they're like, so. you're like 27 oh, you're 28 29 oh, now yeah 30. <laughs> um did you tour at the dogs hey did you tour at the dogs did you yes, go around the facility? I did. yeah yeah I did I went and did um yeah had a tour around the around the club did a medical um, and that was probably a week and a half before the draft. So that kind of gave you more of an indication that they're, you know, fairly, fairly serious. And, um, yeah, and then took the day off work because the draft was on during the day. Um, and then, yeah, name got called out. And what was that feeling like after so many years of, is it going to happen for me? Was it just elation? Was it, not like, in, in a good way, like that numb feeling of, well, what, what does this even feel like? Gee, I don't even know what to expect. Yeah, I don't know. It was like, it, it, yeah, I mean, it was, I was ecstatic at the time, but it was, I went, I went pretty quiet when it happened. I think it was more of a, um, like it was a shock. I had my, you know, I was really lucky that um, my family were home at the time and my partner were there with me as well. And um, because they've been through with me the whole sort of journey and um, it was good that we could all share that moment together. But yeah, it was, a, it was you know, really really proud moment that I sort of look back on um especially coming through the VFL system to get there um but yeah it was a it was a great day and I probably went a bit quiet because it was a bit of a I don't know a bit of a like I've got there in a way like you, you put all that effort in it's like okay I've got there now it's like what's the next step from here so what do I need to now do to then you know play a game and then try and play senior like consistent senior footy at AFL club so it's so funny you say that there's this story of um when England won the world cup in 66, there was this big thing, this like decade, like leading up to it. They, we, we, this is the one we're going to win. We're going to win this one. And they, they do it. And Bobby Charlton, legend has it, he embraced his brother Jack, who was on the team. And he was all, they said he was almost in tears. And as he, they've just won the World Cup. 
and he said, what's next? In a really, we've just achieved the, what we've set out to, for five years, for six years, for seven years as a footballer, and we've reached the pinnacle and we've got, what do we do next? Yeah, well, but that's, that's the thing. I mean, and, and we, we are probably all of the same mindset that, you know, yes, you get there, but that's, that's not sort of enough. Like you want to you play, you want to play senior footy consistently. And um, I think that's just that competitive nature that you, you have to have if you want to get to that level. I suppose ultimately, is it, is it a coincidence that you all end up here? I suppose what got you all to the club? Because, I mean, Ferg and Ports arrive at the same time. Um, was that anything to do? Did you have any conversations with one another? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, so I think it was an interesting year to get delisted. There was probably more than ever before with the list cuts. Um, did you did you get delisted that I, year? Yeah, I got and then relisted. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah, we'll talk about that um, off air before about yeah, Cav actually was was part of the crop, the mm-hmm. uh, retirement crop. Uh, <laughs> Great un- group, unretired. We don't we don't catch <laughs> up <laughs> enough, do no, we? No, we don't uh, as, a, as a group. You do. I mean, teams do premiership reunions all the time. I, I think know. there's a market for the delisted reunion. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah. there was there was I think there was probably twelve that year, and uh, you know I was part of the first crop. You know we we sort of really set the tone. Groundbreakers, um, and then uh, I sort of I was in contact with Boxhill at that point really briefly um, with Naps, uh, and then Ports got delisted maybe that day, and I remember the first thing I didn't want to message him about was hey, mate, do you want to come to Box Hill? Because I sort of hadn't made that decision, but I knew if he would go, I would go. So I probably gave it a couple of days and then he actually rang me and said, have you spoken to Box Hill? And I said, yeah, look, I have. And, and I think we both had the discussion, you know, if you go, I'll go, just because it meant we are going to walk into a place where we knew someone already, um, regardless of all the other stuff. I think Sam had just been appointed at that point. So Colo, who uh, I always used to pot... Cav about at the dogs for, for calling him on a weekly basis, has, was ringing me on a weekly basis. So it was funny how the table had turned. Can you do your collar? Oh, you know, kid, <laughs> you're elite. You are elite in that aspect. Is he saying that to you, is he? You no, know. he didn't say it except to Paul, so I heard it. Uh, but, yeah, he had a great pitch, Colo. Um, definitely has a has a role in the stationary salesman world if, if you know, his development role at at Hawthorne doesn't work out because he had one of the great pitches of all time. Um, but, yeah, Ports probably can take it from there. But it was was a really easy transition because of that. Yeah, it was. And I think that year was great with Ferg and probably couldn't have got through that process without him. It was quite tough. But um, just such an enjoyable place to be around now. And um, it was really great to already have that connection. And then I think our connection has sort of grown again after being in this environment and, it was definitely a big part into making the decision to come and I was a Hawthorne supporter growing up and idolised Sam and I'd had a relationship with Colo or a connection with Colo previously. And In my under-18 year, I didn't play any footy for Vic Country or anything like that. So I had a bit of VFL experience and I did a lot of training at Willie um, with Colo and had spoke to Cav about Colo as well. So He would have remembered everything you did in that training yeah, it's it's funny. I, I trained there for maybe a month, I reckon, two or three weeks and didn't get picked four weeks in a row because I wanted to play some 23rd man footy and I didn't get any uh, national champ experience. And to be honest, I wasn't ready at 18 to play VFL footy. Um, but it was getting a bit of training and he didn't pick me. And um, 
still kept in contact and all that. And then, yeah, had a chat to him about going to Box Hill. And that was the, like the main attraction. Like having, the, having Ferg come was awesome. And having Sam and Colo sort of steering the ship, that was just awesome. And I really wanted to be a part of it. And I knew that the alignment was strong and that it was a great club. And they're really hard to play against and play finals most years. And I wanted to be a part of that culture and that success. So coming across with Ferg um, was awesome. And then it was a similar sort of thing when Benny was looking for somewhere to play his footy. Um, this, this is a segue. It yeah. is. It is because we have a great reporter in the VFL, Paul Amy, shout out. I know he'll be Stars. listening. The footy ferret. He, yes, Paulie. He ferret. came early and, and I should should start this by saying Paul doesn't miss. No. What, what Paul tweets, he's good. So Paul gets right. He's so good. You, do you know where this is going, Kev? I know exactly where this is going. So okay. Because Paul, so he's, he's a great man. I've known Paul since I was 18. We used to talk a lot when I was at Frankston and we've remained in contact over the years as well. And when I did get delisted, he would have called me. Jeez, I reckon every second day, <laughs> just asking what's going on. He seemed to know you were coming to Box Hill before you. Yeah, he did. That he did. That he did. Derek. <laughs> that you do. Guilty is charged with the stories. So the tweet goes out, strong rumours mm. of Ben Kavara signing with Box Hill. I ring Naps mm-hmm. almost the second it, gets, it goes out and go, have we got him? Mm. Naps goes, unless Greeny, Stephen Green, shout out, recruiting mm. manager, yep. has done something that I, don't, that I don't know about, we don't have him. So this put in jeopardy. Very genuine naps as well. No, no bum steers no. here. Yeah, right. He said, mate, you'd know. If I know, you'd know. He's, this put Paul Amy's 100% strike rate in real jeopardy. Mm. But do you sort of want to go into a little bit more about that decision and, and how it came about? Yeah, so it was at the time I didn't really know what I was going to do and, and Paul just sent that tweet out and um, he actually called me and he goes, mate, you've got no option. You've got to... <laughs> <laughs> you can't ruin my record. I'm perfect. You cannot ruin it. You have to go. But um, no, nah, like I, I spoke to a few. I spoke to a few VFL clubs, and um, and uh, and Proc was going to be the coach here at Box Hill. I had a really good relationship with him at Williamstown, and um, obviously Colo was here as well. And you know, I did. I spoke to both of them on the phone, um, a bit about it. Spoke to my family about it, and then having you know, Cal and Ferg here too. Um, it was just, it seemed like a place where I'd really enjoy my footy and, um, and yeah, like they spoke about before, I wanted to get, personally, I wanted to get my enjoyment back in a bit as well and it was somewhere where I, I knew, I mean, I, I felt like I'd play a good footy sort of wherever I went but I knew it would be, you know, I'd play good footy here, I'd have a really good time, um, I'd get that life balance as well moving into the, um, to the working industry again and, um, and I started coaching under-16s at Eastern Rangers. So kind of just all the stars sort of aligned and it felt like, for me, it just felt like the right place to go to, to continue to develop my footy. Yeah, I love that point as well. It's like when you enjoy your footy and love the environment and connect with the guys you're playing with, that's when you play your best footy. Um, and it's definitely a lot easier to do that with you boys in the same team and all of us in the one place. And I think that's where we all flourish and... Um, yeah, the life balance and the enjoyment, I think, is the secret to, you know, unlocking your best form. Like everyone always searches on field, can I train harder? Can I do all this? But I find if you sort your own backyard a bit out off field and mentally get yourself enjoying it um, and search for that enjoyment, I feel like that's the secret. And it's definitely been the secret for me. I mean, yeah. you said it when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, and Ed Phillips said it as well. Shout out, he'll be listening. Yes, and filthy. So he. It's that funny thing where you go, 
all of you guys have gone through such a disappointing experience in coming off an AFL list and you're entitled and expected to be, yeah, disappointed. And I suppose your love of the game and your relationship with the game can be really challenged by that. And both of you have said that same thing about your best footy was played when you started enjoying it again. I suppose is that the biggest hurdle when you come off the list is just to go, I want to play footy because I love playing footy. And I've loved playing footy. I don't want that experience to sour something that I absolutely love doing. I've just got to find somewhere where I can find that love again. Is it just as simple as that? I think so, to a degree. I think the other thing that plays a real role in it is, and Cav always used to joke about this when we were at the Dogs, is, you know, he's like, I've been in the real world and you boys <laughs> wouldn't last a day. <laughs> you it's wouldn't grim. last a day. <laughs> you wouldn't last a day, you'd say to us. And, uh, proved me wrong, didn't I, they? I, I lived in it for five years, boys. <laughs> You will not last today. And I, I hate to say it, but he was dead right. <laughs> but the intriguing thing is when you get to that VFL point, you do have to, to do something outside of football. So all of a sudden, you know, I went, I went straight to a pub and started pouring beers again because that's what I knew. That's what was going to pay the bills. Um, I know Ports jumped in with Rookie Me. And it was almost, okay, we're working now. Um, footy's a hobby again. And I think that's such a big step in it where you're able to sort of remove that stress of this is my job, this is... If this doesn't go right, you know, my life is is in shambles and that I know for me personally that week-to-week pressure of going, if I have a bad game t- today, my whole week is ruined. Whereas now it's, you know, if I have a bad game, no worries, I'll see the boys at work on Monday and, and I'll bury my face in work. And, and I guess, you know, that on top of being able to play with your mates in a more relaxed environment I think is where it's sort of footy found its enjoyment again for me and I'm not sure if it's the same for you guys but... Yeah, the exact same. I, I went to the pub too, but not not for work <laughs> <laughs> for a different reason. Oh, Ferg, you're here too. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't paying the bills, but we went there. Um, that's that's probably a story for another day. But I um yeah, I, I found the same to be honest. Um, it can. I always try and make footy or footy clubs a more enjoyable environment. Um, but it is hard when it's your day in day out. It's your job. It can be really tough to separate yourself from that. Um. And I just wish we could sort of program our mindset now into my 18-year-old self when I first rocked up to the footy club. Um, but that's obviously just impossible. But it, it would just be great to have that mindset. Um, it's just so hard to get past that at an AFL level and regardless of how good your culture is, the reality is it's ruthless. Um, you, can, you can't help but feel replaceable at times. And as much as we loved the boys and the club that we were at... Um, I think it's just the nature of the business. It's ruthless and um, in, a, in a COVID year, it was even more ruthless and we sort of copped the brunt of that. But um, there's always positives to situations. Um, I, I, I don't really buy into that everything happens for a reason, but I buy into the, like, there's always a positive from every situation. And there's so many guys, like you mentioned Ed Phillips before and your James Parsons and um, your Beezers, all these guys that we've formed relationships with that um, we wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so there's so many experiences and positive things to have come out of being at a new footy club. Um, and they've all got shared experiences with you guys as well, don't they? Very similar sort of journeys, very similar hurdles to overcome. Um, so I imagine there'd be some level of comfort when you're kind of going, oh, okay, that's I'm not going through this alone. There's five, six, seven other blokes that have, you know, going through the same thing. And we can all get over it and handle it and make something here. Yeah, exactly right. And we just have that understanding and that connection. Um, and we're, we're very lucky to have formed those relationships with those guys. And, um, 
yeah, I wouldn't change anything for the world. They're awesome and the footy club's awesome. And, um, yeah, I think we're all very happy with where we are and how we're going and um, I wouldn't change a thing. This is a bit of a collector's item. I think this is Ferg asking like a, a softball question to Cav somewhat. Wow. Yeah, this is Actually teaching on. softball at school at the moment, so it's uh, perfect timing. Is that why you need to rush home? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's nine o'clock. It's a school brush night. up on the rules. Cav is a is a nine pm bedtime sort of operator. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, we're we're running on a, actually, on a on a really. Phone says sleep well. It's eight fifty three. <laughs> <laughs> he gets he gets cranky really quickly. So, mm. but but this one's more, I guess, coming back to your Box Hill form. Thirty three goals to date, settled in superbly well. Um, how have you seen your year personally? Obviously, most people are their own harshest critic. How have you seen your year personally? And, and you know, I think maybe even go into a little bit about your challenges in pre-season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. think everyone would be curious to sort of know about that because I think that would be quite unknown for a lot. Yeah, yeah. So it was um, something that was probably, probably kept it pretty hidden. Um, and that was more so from me because there were still a few AFL clubs that once I did get delisted, that was sort of uh, – that I was talking to um, – and, uh, yeah, tried to keep it as quiet as possible. But, um, yeah, the week before the AFL Grand Final last year up in Perth, um, I partially tore my ACL. So at the time it was like, okay, you could have surgery, sort of a 12-month thing, or if it's um, – or get you in a brace, be sort of that four to six months and come back and start playing. And, um, yeah, rehabbed it really well, um, spoke to all the physios and doctors that I needed to, really looked after my leg. Um, so, yeah, most of the pre-season it's hard. You know, you come to a new club, there's always challenges – initially with that but to come to a new club and I was in the rehab group all of pre-season um I didn't do my first training with the main group probably until late Feb um so it made it tough coming to a new club there with that um and it took probably took me a few weeks to get into um you know that game style and actually having that match fitness and trust back in it um but yeah I feel like after a couple of games just sort of getting into it I felt like I've played pretty good footy this year um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of games that, that I'm still not too happy with. Um, you know, I've been tagged a bit in my time, but sort of dealing with that a little bit more as well. Um, just that off-the-ball stuff and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to deal with that a little bit more. A um, couple of days with my goal kicking could have done a little bit better. But, um, yeah, I feel like I've settled in pretty well. Um, playing some pretty good footy. And for me, I've spoken about it in the past, but my whole game sort of based around that that forward pressure role and um, from there, you know, the goals and the score assists will come. So I feel like when I when I do that really well, um, the rest of my game takes care of itself and I'm, I'm really lucky that um, Proc's got a lot of trust in me and, um, you know, he, he backs me in and sort of says to me, you go play on your instinct and um, and let the game come to you. So that, that helps a lot. Ben Kavara has kicked some phenomenal goals for us this year, some very, very important goals as well. So not just technically good goals, but some very important goals, which... I mean, the, the one against Werribee, absolutely outstanding. The one we mentioned against Port, phenomenal. But my favourite Ben Kavara goal moment of the season has to be the ludicrously ambitious attempt to claim a goal against GWS. That was a goal. Which absolutely could not have been further from a goal. It came off your hip. Do you want to walk us through that? Because you gave it as bad as good a sell as you possibly can. And I'm interested in getting your opinion too because that's an important part. You we, know you didn't kick it. We needed oh, a few though. The, we, so we needed 20. Oh, desperately. Yeah, ports, down had just, by ports had just been absolutely poleaxed by Braden Pruce. He'll be listening. Shout yeah, out. Yeah, shout Prusey. out. No, actually, <laughs> actually, no shout out to Prucey, actually. <laughs> that's the first one. Stop listening, mate. Turn it off. No. 
He is a giant man. He's the biggest man I've ever seen. He's, he's quite heavy. Um, yeah, go and get stuffed, Percy. <laughs> I've, I've, I've said too much. <laughs> he crumpled you. It was not good. But yeah. it's, it's not about me. It's about Kaz. But no, so the, basically you trail the ball in goal square. You're nowhere near it. Yeah. Oh, so it's, you wheel away, giving it the high five, looking for blokes yep. to high five, yep. clapping, fantastic, we're back in it. So it looked like it sort of, it felt like it came off, you know, anywhere from that knee down to the to the foot. So it could have been anywhere in that Where did it come, space. come off? Um, and there's a, I've got a big leg, so from that... That knee to the foot, there's um, <laughs> and um, he kept the charade sorry. up at all. Anyway, he's still going, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. So, look, it probably came off my knee a little bit more, and um, started celebrating. And, and I feel like, and back and, turn, you were just walking back, and then you did, yeah. the, you did the big one, Fergie walked back to the goal on part. What's going on? Yeah, so what we're really well, we're lucky in a sense in the VFL, there's no score review, so. It kind of comes down to the goal umpire and the umpire on the ground's decision. So mm. Umpires are silly as well. You can I, fool I them no, sometimes. I hope, I hope none are listening. Oh, God, shout it if they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, umpires are silly and, and they can be convinced otherwise. Um, so I yeah. get what you're saying. Yeah, you're not saying they're dumb. So if I, so if I do no. that... You're saying that you can, you can potentially, through your confidence... Con yeah. them into thinking, fuck it. Ben Kavara is really celebrating this goal. He He's must have, he wouldn't be celebrating. Mate, so if I did that and I didn't celebrate, they're going to say a point straight away. W's. He, a point. A, he's a hundred plus VFL game player. You can't great buy repu- great reputation in the game. <laughs> Would this sort of character is he a likely type? Will he will he lie to us? Um, the answer is yes, but for them it would be no. <laughs> can, can I give you a perfect example of this, please? Northern Bullants. Cav has a, a five-minute five-minute patch. Yeah, he did. Kicks a snap mm. out of a pack. I think seven sets of fingers hit that ball. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you actually look at the vision, I sort of stop and look because I can see the umpire's about to give it a goal and he's almost chuckling. <laughs> <laughs> because everyone knows it's come off hands. Did they? And it's footy karma. Did, did it come off hands? Cans. Cans? <laughs> did it come off cans? <laughs> the cans oh, the cans yeah. Oh, that's a story for another time. Um, did it come off? Did it hey? come off hands? Uh, it was a goal on the day, so we'll mm. stick with that. Have you ever had one of those close calls, Ferg, where you're like, that is absolutely not a goal, but oh, I course. have got to give it plenty? I, I think if you're a forward at a semi-professional level or a professional level and you haven't done that, credit to you, mm. But you need to you need to make a shift in your mindset. I think. There's no Adam Gilchrist here. Have a here. good long hard look at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> never never call here again. <laughs> oh Toby, <laughs> we've done it, Toby. We have people on the road like oh, what M a shame. and Sean <laughs> Query who heard that in their ear and they are offended. <laughs> they were doing that pre-pod. I was wondering oh. if it would make it in. Uh, yeah, it's it's an important part. It's the it's like cricket. Sometimes you get given out, mm. you're clearly not out. Sometimes you will get a goal where you absolutely didn't kick it. Um, we spoke about the hub a little bit earlier, and I was really interested to get your sort of impressions. You said you loved the wide open spaces of hub footy, absolutely mm. outstanding. But it must have been an enormous challenge for you guys who are all wanting to push yourselves into senior contention to be playing games that are actually quite difficult to really sort of get any great read out of. I mean, Ferg, without naming names, um, you told a really interesting story a while ago about how you were playing in a composite game and you've led up at the footy and your teammate, who is actually a listed player at another club, well, he's not playing to your... <laughs> what can I name him? Yeah. 
You can if you want. Yeah, Pat Nash. <laughs> Shout listening. out, mate. He's obviously listening. Uh, Big Nash. But it was a really good. It was a really interesting <laughs> perspective on. Well, yeah, yeah, it'd be a challenge. Yeah, so it was. It was quite funny. Um, you know, I was going not too poorly that day, and I was really keen for another goal. And I thought, okay, one more, I'm, I'm right there. And so I've hit up and split this pack, and I am. I, I might have had 30 meters, which in hub foot is not unfamiliar. <laughs> Quite common. Yeah. <laughs> I had 30 metres inside 50 and Naishi's marked it sort of 60 out and just rolled. Come and on, he Naishi. put it top of the square to probably seven, which is three quarters of the team. Gold Coast <laughs> players standing on the goal, on the goal line. Yeah. I was like, Naishi, what are you, what are you going on, mate? <laughs> and uh, he said, I am so sorry, but we always get taught just to roll and kick long. And I was like, oh, this actually makes a lot of sense. Did you do mm. the Ben Guevara? Mm. But but yeah, so that was that was probably the the best example of of those hub games when you're trying to play with with a whole bunch of teams just thrown together. And those Richmond guys, I think yeah. we had Hugo Ralph Smith come through. Ralphie, they they were great. It was a lot of fun. Um, challenges that came with it, you know, defensive pressure was obviously really hard in those games. <laughs> Fergie, that was yours. <laughs> <laughs> Fergie, oh, do you oh. want to do you want to tell that one? Fergie, no, Fergie. There's, there's obviously a reason I'm sitting here. So, Fergie, you've kicked five goals. How many tackles did you have, mate? <laughs> I'm trying to cover three blokes in a 75 meter area. Not a lot of stoppages. Um, uh, oh, that's one of the that's one of the great stories. That's mm. a bit of a Sheba moment. That's one of the great stories. But I was, I was, was that a, was that a, a challenge? Ports the idea of. I'm trying to put myself in the mix here, but I'm not really playing a rigid edge game of footy and what are the coaches kind of taking out of it? Yeah, it, the weeks blended into each other quite um, similarly, but I was... Um, Did you I, ever find yourself wearing an Oppo Guernsey? No, I didn't. I, I played a few hub games early, but I was injured the back half of that year and um, probably playing too much golf, the groins flared up and... <laughs> I didn't quite get back out there and playing good and golf though. He was playing great golf. Yeah, yeah. Well. I reckon that was a catalyst. That was a catalyst of your real. That yeah. was that was my hand going Strap in the, the air. Uh, Strap the rocket to yeah. him. Rocket, rocket. We can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, different sort of rocket. That yeah. wasn't rocket. Apparently, it wasn't him. No, but um, no. So I didn't play a lot of hub footy. Like David Swallow had shattered my shoulder in half and. <laughs> Actually, he's the new games record holder at um, at Gold Coast. So well, he is for a reason. He's taken blokes out. Yeah, but no. So him, him and Dane Rampy, my two favourite players. <laughs> um, no, so he shattered my shoulder in half, and the uh, the golf with you know the Tory Dixons, the Will Hayes's, the the Tim Chili Englishes. Um, they were all serial. Serial golfer, serial pair. Yeah, and I couldn't help but get dragged out there and probably didn't help the groin. So I didn't play a lot of hub footy, but it was definitely challenging because they were just such different games. And as we spoke about, a lot of different agendas and um, different game styles and, yeah, a bit of variety there. So I found it quite challenging personally. But um, the whole hub experience was, I think, a varied experience as well in itself. Some blokes loved it, some blokes hated it. Um, but I think it's definitely a good story to tell and, um, yeah, one to tell the grandkids, I, I reckon, because I, I don't think it will ha- ever happen again, that that 2020 year and heading up there and maybe getting out of Melbourne was the best thing for us and we missed family and friends and and all of that stuff. I'm here but to tell you, Ports, you didn't miss anything. It yeah, was everyone was inside. <laughs> was, so You speak about your days in the hub blending into one another. 
Yeah. Talk so, about not being able to go 5Ks from your house. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we were pretty lucky in a way. We were getting still getting paid to play footy and um, I, I quite enjoyed it, which wasn't, I suppose, a popular opinion among the group, but I loved it. I was, you know, just down the hallway from a lot of my close mates. You know, we could catch up every day. We had great weather. Um, mentioned the golf, the footy, um, lots of positive experiences, but it was definitely demanding, challenging. And if you weren't in the ones, um, which we weren't, it was quite mentally challenging too. But I think there are a lot of positives there too and a, a lot of my fond memories are from up there. Yeah, so uh, it's a great <laughs> <Yes>. point. <laughs> Shawnee, I might have to enter that out. If uh, just like, no, well. we, we want to go the, uh, have you got the what comes next? Have you got that there for you? Uh, yeah, look, I can't seem to see that, Sean. If you want to just jump in whenever you're ready. Well, <laughs> you deleted the wrong question for yeah, yeah, Potentially, yeah. That's the one. You want to go with that one? That's the one. That's <laughs> the one we want to go with. We want to run with it. We okay. want to run with that one. I don't feel as good as I'd like to feel. <laughs> so I think we touched on it before. No pressure. Mm-hmm. But what comes next in a footy sense? Just let that, just let that sit over the group. Let's just marinate in that for a moment. Mm. Just really marinate in that slow dumpling roasted. smell. <laughs> we said that, we said that uh, I think, in the Edo episode. I think Dan Napoli's got his ear to the door here. Daniel Napoli. Oh, the great man. So is, is it still the VFL environment? Is it still something you're enjoying? Is football at this level still something you're enjoying? Is it something you can see... Committing to medium term, is that, you know? Medium well, medium rare. It's, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to, you know, to look so far ahead. And especially in... Sounds uh, like he's on the market again, Ferg. Depends well, which club he's... He's only uh, got four left. <laughs> depends which club he's asking, actually. No, um, I, I, look, I feel like it's so hard to look, you know, ahead of six months of where you are at the moment because there are so many, so many things that can change in that in a, such a short amount of time and... You know, the three of us have experienced that in the sense that you can go from being at school, working, whatever it is, to then, you know, in a couple of months' time, you're on an AFL list. So that, that's something that has happened in the past to each of us that can happen really quick that can change your life. You know, that's one sort of scenario. Another scenario is a, an amazing job offer could come up from who knows where. Um, yeah, that's another one. So, but you could be really happy with where you are too. So, there's so many things that can change in such a short amount of time that it's hard to to um, to say exactly what is next. Um, but for me personally, I don't know about the other boys; they're probably in the same boat. But I'm really happy with you know the life balance that I've got at the moment with um, you know family, friends, um, footy, work life, um, whatever it is, and I just feel like I've um, if you're enjoying that moment, you can't really put a ceiling on what is to come. So, you know, whether that's for each of us, and there's a lot of boys here that I still feel can play at that AFL level. So um, if, if that's the case for any of us here or any of the boys at the club, amazing. Um, if, it's to say, if it is to stay at this amazing club, that's also another thing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really hard to – I probably haven't answered that question and, no, waffled, and, and waffled on a bit. But um, – <laughs> If anything, I have more questions now. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No, that, um, no. no but look, I, look, I feel like if we if we keep playing amazing footy, who knows, anything's a possibility. Um, so, yeah, we'll just uh, – and for the moment, like we talk about finals coming up, there's uh, – It's very difficult to look far beyond yes, that well, that's in right. the next six weeks. Yeah, that's right. And there's, uh, and there's a really important game coming up this weekend, especially um, – 
Kavara Cup. Down, down at Flipper Park. At, uh, the Kavara, Minot, so. DeWitt, Kemp Cup. Oh. Yeah, there's a few. You may there. as well just call it the last three because we've got another six games against oppositions that are called the Kavara Cup. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mario Kart. <laughs> <Cup. laughs> but, like, it's a, it's a big game coming up against it's a really a proud game. standalone club. So, yeah. you know, we've got to be in it. The, uh, no, no one needs to tell you about that. So sorry about not answering that question amazingly well, but it's so hard to say what is next. And yeah. I feel like there are so many things that are out of our control at the moment to answer that. I'm sorry. I'd, I'd actually love to pick your the three of your brains about it, something about the AFLs because you were all affected by it when you come off a list and then when you want to get back onto a list. Yeah. Um, the AFLs player movement mechanisms, are there any frustrations on your behalf as to how they're currently structured? I always find it interesting as someone on the outside looking in to kind of consider how many hoops guys in your position, and we've got a lot of them here and there's lots of other boys all over the country playing at all sorts of different levels of football, that there are so many hurdles for them to get back on a list when it's like I always feel it could just be as simple as you guys are all classified as whether it be a delisted free agent or an undrafted free agent and you can just be signed. You've been in a draft pool or a list. You've come off. Everyone's had an opportunity to sign you or to draft you. <clears throat> do you feel that there's too many hoops? There's too many. You got to do this. Oh no! You got to go nominate for a draft again, or you got to. Could it just be so much more simple? Yeah, our, our, it could be. The industry is quite subjective. I say this to a lot of people. If you're a swimmer or a runner and you run a certain time that's quicker than everyone else, you qualify for a high level and you go again. With uh, with our sport, you could play a certain way and average a certain amount and be a part of a successful team and someone could still have a, an opinion on you and think, oh, I might look elsewhere. Um, I think there's definitely a certain stigma around getting delisted, um, whether that's just a, a bit of an older age or you think, oh, well, they must have got delisted for a reason, things like that. But um, you look at a lot of the young 18-year-olds playing their footy, um, even at VFL level, um, and there are a lot of our core group and and experienced VFL players playing just as well, if not better elsewhere. And it's like, well, these young kids are highly touted. They're, they're touted to go in the top 50 and a lot of our core group and other other teams' core groups are out playing them. So um, I know there's potential upside for guys like that, um, but there's so many guys that are good enough to be on AFL lists and good enough to be ready to go, but it's not as simple as running a time and getting quali- like qualified. It's such a subjective system. Um, but... Yeah, I, I just think you, you hang around the barber long enough, you're going to get yourself a haircut, <laughs> you know. Shout out to Billy Gowers. <laughs> yeah, he'll be listening. shout out Bill to Billy. We'll be listening. But, oh, what's yeah. your sort of view, Fur? Because Yeah, I think I think I was really curious to see how this COVID top-up list would have worked this year in regards to there probably wasn't that outbreak that the AFL thought could mm-hmm. happen that could direct up. West Coast is, an op- is, is one, but... I guess if, if there was a couple of teams that lost players and they, they were screaming out for a small forward, does that give Ben Kavara a foot in the door to kick three or four and show what he's got? And I guess I was really hopeful that, that that opportunity would come for a few guys on our list. You know, there were some guys, I know me and Bees were laughing when, when we were on the put on the COVID list. We said, oh, we're back on the list. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like even like a, if someone wanted a rangy left footing, left foot up, halfback flanker, you know, Mace Witt, does he get a crack and... Is it too hard for players to just get that opportunity? Mm. Um, you know, the NBA, they have 10-day contracts. You can get a couple of them. You know, there's not that opportunity. Could it just be as simple as – I'm sort of spitballing a bit here, but the idea would be you three would all be classified as, in Delisted this scenario, a delisted free agent, mm. 
and any club would have till a certain date to just go. I think we are though, no, to, but to not, a in, not in the season. So, no. so right, I guess the okay. Yeah. yeah. So the idea of going, you've just got to reclassify. You're either undrafted, so everyone's had a crack at you, and they've passed on you, or you've come off a list, and so you've still been in a pool, you've been picked up, and a team can just come to you and go, yeah, we need a we need a small forward. Mm. We need a small forward for two weeks at a start. And you just they can just sign you. I just feel like there's so many, like you said, this this it feels like there's just too many layers upon layers of here's a rule, here's a regulation, here's a restriction. You can't have him for whatever reason. And it just feels like it's just unnecessarily messy. I think it the other when it thing should it, be about opportunity. Yeah, and the other thing I think it does contribute to is, you know, around that that draft time and mid season I found to be almost worse because there's that I've got to play well for the next four weeks because this is when people are going to be watching. Mm. Um, I reckon if there was that openness that players could get signed at any point, it's like I've played three good weeks, you know. Uh, there's no stress. If a team wants to come to me, they can come to me. Um, whereas, you know, I think it does contribute to that. And I wonder what the level of footy is like at VFL around that time or, or Waffle or Sandville. Does it come a little bit more selfish? Do you see guys having, having shots on the boundary? Do you see guys trying to rack up numbers because they know oh, it's getting to that that time of the year? Yeah, I think the, the mid-season draft is the best chance for a mature age recruit to get picked up. End of year is very much like, oh, let's get five 18-year-olds, um, look for a diamond in the rough, like at our footy club, like your Bailey Smiths that come in and don't miss a game for three years. And in, in my year, like your Ed Richards and Aaron Norton's that play 50 games quite quickly and they're looking for those diamonds in the rough. And then if in three or four years they haven't found that, they think, oh, well, let's get rid of this group and let's get five more 18-year-olds and do the exact same thing with them. The ones that play straight away will keep. The ones that don't, let's just try again. And I think that it's they're looking for flashes in the pan, but majority may take longer and people develop at different rates. And um, I think more opportunities for guys once they get to that mid-20s sort of age, other than the mid-season draft, which is probably the extent of it at the moment, the more opportunity, the better. Well, when did you think, Cav, so you obviously go out of Eastern into VFL, yep. when do you think you started really hitting your straps at the VFL level? Was it 19? Was it 20? Was it straight away? To be honest, I was I was quite lucky that, you know, I went to Frankston. I played midfield straight away my first year there. So I won, I won the BNF in my oh, first year at Frankston. So pretty quickly. Yep. But, mm. but albeit at the time I didn't know that playing midfield wouldn't get me to that, that level, right? So then... So then I I made that change which I spoke about before, but I don't I don't necessarily think that there's an there's an age that says that's it. You mm. look at plays in the past, you know, your Pods Adler, he was twenty eight, I think he yeah. was. Who's the who's the Eagles forward? Wilson was his name. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you can look through Caroline the archives. Wilson. And there's, Caroline there's, Wilson, <laughs> she'll be listening. Shout out, yeah. shout out, Caroline. Caro, Tom Wilson. But like, there's mate, there's so many players that have been varying ages in their you know early 20s to, to the very late 20s, possibly 30s. I don't know mm. if you're looking that far deep. But um, but even then, again, you look at that age, you still got another five, six really solid years of footy in you. So, we, so whether – so, like, I, I, from, from my perspective as well, I think it's a, it's a bit of a no risk in that sense. You know, you've got someone who's hitting their prime of their footy who this can, is who can play my the, position. Yeah, right. So, so yeah. you've got a guy like us for like a, a, a Damien Mercedes, he's a really good example, yeah. mm. David Mirror before him, and we've got a few of you boys in the room now and more obviously at the club this year, where if you're going, going to take a speculative pick in the fourth or a rookie draft, fourth round beyond or a rookie draft of an 18-year-old kid, well, 
realistically, the numbers tell us, you you mentioned Diamond in the Rough Ports, realistically, the numbers tell us that you might get a year or two out of them on the list and then you turn over and you look for the next one. It's like the point you make there is perfect. Why not go for a guy who's 21, 22, who's got two, three, four solid years of VFL footy in him who you know can play at the level below absolute worst-case scenario? More than that, they're mature. They've got a balance of life experience. They're going to be super grateful for the opportunity because they've had to really work hard to get it. And it just feels like the age becomes, oh, he's 23. You go, well, realistically, he might only be on the list for three years, realistically, before you might turn that over. But at least you know you're getting more of a known commodity than the 18-year-old kid who may or may not be something in two years' time. Yeah, Andy Collins is big on that. Like he's, He always says it's like you're bringing someone into your club that you know, worst case, can play really well at VFL and add to your depth as a club, but they also make your club better, your culture better, your environment better, um, and they're just adding that. And there's just so many good players in the VFL that are like that. And I even say, like, if, if you take our core players at Box Hill, say give us our 12 best Box Hill play, listed players and put us against the bottom 12 of any AFL club, I'd, I'd back us in. In a hub footy style, yeah, exactly right. Say we're, we're experienced. Say we're playing a hub <laughs> hub style of game. F- forget our AFLX. No, no, no. no. I don't, the I'll ghost, the, the ghost of Dane Rampy no. standing at halfback. <laughs> oh, couple of zoopers later. I've never eaten a zoopa duper since. That was my favourite icy pole. I can never do it again. They're just too bitter now. No, no, they are. But um, but yeah. Back to the point. If if you give us a twelve v twelve sort of style of game give us our 12 core group at box hill which i just rate ex- extremely highly i rate us all extremely highly and put us against the 12 bottom players at any afl club i back us in every day i know this is a hypothetical that wouldn't happen but i'm just trying to illustrate the depth that we've got and i know that other core groups but as well it's, the, it's the maturity as well of guys that have come off lists and i think the point you make is well made in that there's this idea that um there's not great value, I suppose, if, if you will, on that side of a VFL list when you're like, no, there's actually probably a lot of blokes that are far closer to being, quote, ready to go and impact and play a role if you need them. But yeah. it just feels like the, the competition, the AFL environment maybe needs just not a correction as such, but a shift in the evolution, you know, an evolution in the mindset of when is a player past their, quote, used by Best Buy, when they're still going to be playing really, really... I mean, how many guys did you play with at Willie Cav who were just... In that era. Uh, yeah. Phenomenal. Yep. Like even a Michael Gibbons, for instance, you kind of look at it and go, geez, he goes onto an AFL list and he's sort of pigeonholed in a role that we all know is not his forte. Shout out to Gibbo. Shout out to Gibbo. Yeah, he's he, listening. He'll definitely listen. But, yeah, you're a cult man too, budgie. But, yeah. but when he had a couple of opportunities on ball, you sort of went, oh, there, yeah, that's, that's the player. Well, he, was the, mate, he was the best midfielder in the VFL for three years. Get him in the midfield. In yeah. But then, I mean, there's, and there's countless players. You could go through... However many years, hmm. um, it's just sort of the way it was. And I mean, a big example is Nick Meese. Yes. So for Meese. those of you who don't know Big Meese, he was he was a ruckman at Williamstown. And mate, he had this one game, he had 75 hit outs. It was against us. It was against Footscray. <laughs> oh, Footscray. Footscray. I think it was 90. I reckon it went as high yeah, as 90. Yeah, mate, it was the, it was it was the record in the VFL. And, but he'd, he'd tower over, you know, young, middle-aged AFL ruckman week after week. 
and he still uh, haunts Timmy English's nightmares. I don't think yeah. Timmy. Oh, really. did he? Do you remember that black eye yeah, he gave Timmy, Timmy from that Timmy, game? Timmy didn't get oh. knocked out, but he had this. Wow. It looked like it was a fractured cheekbone, cranium. It was yeah. a lot. From the sounds of things, it wasn't Macy's hand. It was him just tapping the ball yeah. into <laughs> Tim English's Ma- head. Yeah, Macy just loved just preying on just a, a latte sipping AFL. <laughs> 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 he knew that these young boys were living uh, the latte lifestyle, yeah, and he, he said, "Boys, come down to Williamstown. It's blowing an absolute." <laughs> Chris Gale, we're going to just play this game on the dead side of the ground. We're going to have a hundred stoppages, and I will have a hundred hitouts. Thanks and for he coming. Do, he, yeah, he do bit it week of, after week. He was an absolute saw. star. Bone sore for our Spider-Man fans out there. Yes, put in the cage. It's yeah. playtime. Oh yeah, that yeah. was Randy Savage. Yeah, Randy yeah. Savage. Yeah, Macho the, Man, the, the Macho Man. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Changing lanes. Changing yeah. lanes. On to more some of the light stuff. You guys live together. For, oh. for a year um, Yes Oh baby I guess the question That everyone wants to know is How quickly did your supporter of AC Milan Rub, rub off on Cav? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah Pretty quick <laughs> I, I know he was a big inter man But um, he, Yeah I got him over the line in the end I'm a big uh, Zlatan man um, It was obviously a golden era mm. You know If we go back And winning the league this year was oh um, Magical wasn't it? The best defensive Tactical league in the world, the Syria. Shawnee's looking at me quite. Um, There's no competition. Finally, but Cavi <laughs> doesn't understand. He doesn't get it. Um, AC, AC Milan, the brand of football they're playing, they're on the rise. Yeah, um, good. So he jumped on at the right time, Cav. Hey, <laughs> jumped on at the right time. <laughs> Beg your pardon. Say that again. You jumped on at the right time. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> oh, I was so slow with that. Beg your pardon, Mrs. Arden. He's got a yeah. pair of headphones that are piping the audio yeah, right it's into amazing. his Couldn't head. Couldn't hear that. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah. Do you, um, you know, actually, one of the joys of the early early part of your arrival at the footy club was it was over the a soccer season, the football season in Correct. Europe, and touching base with Cav on a Tuesday night about how Milan have fared. And Cal given and Cal gave me the rundown. Yes, Cal in the car on the way yeah. there and told me what happened. Cal um, told me what to say. But just <laughs> it, it, it was actually exciting to go as you as you got closer to the climax of the season and this realization that we're sort of we're actually yeah we're not we, a flash in the pan here. We we might actually hold on. And then of course was it the Inter Milan goalkeeper made the app one of the greatest yeah. howlers of all time? Well, how many times were we up at two in the morning watching games? Oh. How are you watching these? More games? than thrice. More. <laughs> <laughs> How were you? How were you? Did you have the big satellite dish in the backyard picking up the Italian broadcast? Ko, yeah, Ko. <laughs> <laughs> is it on Syria on Ko? Is it? Oh, there you go. Oh. Shout out to Ko. Don't be listening. Um, wow. I guess from well. there, <laughs> living together can can make or break a friendship. Oh yeah. I know one that I'm curious to hear about, yeah. but I'll see if it comes out naturally. Uh, is out. there anything that you did to each other that got on each other's nerves? Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> can I tell the yeah, story? Yeah, yeah. Which about, one? Oh, uh, there's about, too many. About the uh, so. I know oh, what stories. No, God, there's a few. No, there's a few no. good stories. So. The one that you're hinting at is a total fabrication. I'll, I'll tell my favourite one and maybe Cav can tell his favourite. <laughs> yeah, I'm got, having to jump in if it's not. And you can tell your favourite. Yeah. There's lots of favourites. You were living just around the corner. I was, yeah. I didn't yeah. around that much. It, it, was our, it was our world. They were just living in it. Um, <laughs> Altona North was a beautiful suburb. God's on country. the rise. Oh. God's, God's country. On the rise. Yeah. Shout out to Altona North. Yeah. And we – so it was a two-storey uh, place, bit of a townhouse sort of set up and – it was a townhouse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not sort of. 
from the outside, it kind of looked like yeah, a but that was but when you got in, it was just really tall. That was the setup, and we, um, yeah, we had two rooms to choose from. The one downstairs had an ensuite, um, so naturally, Cav just pounced on that one straight away. Being older, yeah, he he didn't have to get up and down the stairs as much. <laughs> Look after the joints. Um, yeah, so so I took upstairs, and um, as you know, I'm not the silkiest of operators, and and quite a heavy hoof. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> That often provided a bit of noise downstairs, which I was unaware of. You know, I don't um, spend a lot of time downstairs. So, uh, uh, and Cavs, as I said, he's, he's a 9 p.m. Uh, bedtimer, so he, he loves getting to sleep early. Um, so I would often be up much later, you know, plodding around and, you know, doing whatever I was doing. And it, it came to my birthday around February. Um, came to my birthday and he bought me this beautiful pair of slippers. <laughs> And they were the softest things ever. He goes, oh, mate, you'll be able to wear them every night. It'll be great. <laughs> and I thought it was just a gift from the heart. I thought it was just a really great gift. And I thought, you know what, I actually needed a pair. I didn't have a pair. I thought, that's really nice. And, and later on it was revealed to me that the only reason he bought them was to silence the noise of my footsteps. <laughs> Did it work? <laughs> throughout yeah. the night. Um, so it was really just a cover-up to, you know, just – attack me personally and, and just to fix a solution not really as a great present so um do you still have them yes yeah, i've, I've yeah. still got them yeah i um i don't wear them as often as i used to but sentimental value very high yeah i've, I've got them there in the wardrobe and you know they're, they're tucked away nicely well what's the story is that the story you were leaning towards oh uh, there's a similar one similar. around so carl is a, is a very um bit of a noisy person sometimes. <laughs> I'm energetic. <laughs> yeah. One of the best things about Cal is, you know, it doesn't matter what day you had, you'd go home and he'd put you in a good mood. So, you know, whether life wasn't great or whatever it was, you'd go back and he'd just he'd put a smile on your face. But um, Build that, me up and now bring me down again. That smile would continue all night. It was never, no, there was never downtime. And um, anyway, so Cal brought this. It was an unbelievable toy. But you know those little, little basketball rings you put at the back of your door? Your magic door. Yeah, you know, you know those. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Hope he's enjoying retirement, the big fella. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you got that. You got that little basketball, and you know. So we'd play horse around. It was at the back of Cal's bedroom, and we'd play horse a bit of the time. And um, anyway, yeah, I'd go to bed early, but it'd be mate. I'd I'd be in bed downstairs, and it'd be ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night, and you just hear like Cal just doing slam dunks on this on this. <laughs> little basketball ring at the back of his door That's a at 11 o'clock at night and I'm, I'm trying to sleep I'm like what's, what's he doing upstairs and um, yeah he was just shooting hoops at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> shout out to Hoopsie <laughs> is that true? That's a bit of a fabrication I, I would say the I did I did use it a fair bit but the um, the, the things that I would do like say I'd, I'd go to bed I'd shut the door I, I might make a couple before bed uh, there'd be no more than two minutes of, of gameplay <laughs> but, like, before bed. So, um, yeah. It didn't cross your mind that this is really loud? Well, as I said, I, I was the Did up. you have the slippers on? No. No, this is where it all started. It, yeah, I don't know if it um, eventually ended up disappearing. It, it might have gone to heaven eventually, that basketball ring. That's but the best way. To, you, did it, you just took it away? 
Oh, I can't remember what happened to yeah. it. To it's honest. gone. They might have just disappeared one day. But yeah, it's like the Colonel's trolley room when Harry. Th- you know, for me with that story. Yeah, he Harry, cracked it with him. Wasn't he that Harry it, that did yeah. that? Harry threw the trolley yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. Big Maxi Rook. Colonel was <laughs> not uh, not happy. Was that the story you were gunning yeah. for? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I heard yeah. about that one. Cavard come home, come come to the club, bit cranky a couple of times. And <laughs> <laughs> you knew if he didn't get his he'd, sleep, he'd, he'd, he'd rock up <laughs> in his in his crinkly training <laughs> gear. This is amazing. So they'd come to training. They lived in the same house. Oh, it was a and new washing machine. They'd come to no. This is so they 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 washed in the same machines and yep. and and they'd come to training <laughs> and Cav would have this crinkled training top like it was nearly sticking together like <laughs> peeling it apart and yeah. Cal would look immaculate. We didn't have an iron at the time, so how's he looking? This how's he looking so? No, good well, though? what happened was the bloke at Harvey Norman he conned mm. us into buying a two in one. <laughs> Washer and dryer. It's one right. machine. Sold it's it a washer so well. and a dryer. We thought, oh well, it'll save us a bit of cash. It's only one thing to buy. Kill one two thing birds to with one put in. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's going to be great. And then anyway, it washed fine, washed beautifully. Um, but it didn't dry well. And I'm pretty sure Cav had put his in the dryer. I just chucked mine on the old close horse Mackie and uh, allowed it to dry. Yeah. And Cavs came out. He goes, oh kid. <laughs> <laughs> He goes, he goes, kid, I, I wouldn't be putting the clothes in the dryer, son. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so he, he was sort of the uh, the guinea pig, the, the crash test dummy. Mm. and yeah. Didn't end well. It turns no. out the dryer was never used and, um, yeah, the clothes horse was... Um, Hasn't been used again yeah. to this The clothes day. horse was king for the, re- for the remainder of our time. The lesson in this is don't go for the Fisher and Paykel two-in-one. Mm. Don't, don't listen to the, to the guy at Harvey yes. Norman who... Um, yeah, similar to what we spoke yeah, about, you know, quite. whether it's the pen industry or the football recruitment industry, there, there can be some convincing involved and, yeah, definitely some likely types in that space. <laughs> oh, no. Another really enjoyable thing that I, I would hear, because you'd get, get it from both of them. Yep. And Cal had this great one about, can you give me a lift home? We're in the spa. And I was <laughs> driving Cal home and he mentioned that Cal... <laughs> Has to have the temp in his car to like a, oh. a balmy thirty degrees, <laughs> mate. On a hold on, <laughs> Neil Balm. Hold on, shout out to Neil. On a cold day, the first thing you do is put your heater full blast in the car. No, no, no. <laughs> Cal hated it. Those are, there'd be times where that's I'd, too hot. I'd have that's the heater on full blast, and you put the window down. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh no, so I'd, I'd be sweating up an absolute storm <laughs> just in the passenger seat. I'd go. Off. <laughs> I go, kid. Are you are you a bit hot? He goes, mate. I'm freezing. <laughs> <laughs> mate, the old bones need a bit of. We'd, we'd have a bit of Lana Del Rey blasting out oh, of the speakers on the way home. Sadness. Summertime sadness, <laughs> and or a bit Bocelli. of on, Andrea Bocelli, Vivo yeah. Pelle, um, <laughs> and we'd be feeling great. Anyway, we were on opposite ends of the body temp spectrum. He was always. Extremely cold. I was extremely hot. And how long into the journey did you wait before going? It was only about a six-minute journey. <laughs> you were a bit hot. Um, <laughs> you were boiling. Yeah. No, I, di- I didn't wait. I wasn't. It wasn't a hesitation to tell him. I was just. I just couldn't believe that how <laughs> how opposite we were in, in, in terms of that. Can we give a shout out to what's what say model opposites of, attract? What model yes, of car is this? Because it's the Mazda Three. The Maserati. The Maserati. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the heater is phenomenal. Oh, oh. it's great. Um, but you know, mate, the, those times, um, that 2019 year, oh, that was – you talk about enjoying yourself and playing good yeah. footy, but as soon as we moved in together, that was one of the best years ever. We had so much fun. We did a lot of silly stuff. We cooked a lot of meals. We spent so much time together, but it was the best. I loved it. Uh, speaking of having some fun, last week we – or oh, two weeks ago now maybe, we had a bit of fun. We put a video up. 
you guys can relax. This is for Ferg. Um, we put a video up online Thanks about. We're going to interview you. Um, who's the most? Who's the most? <laughs> Actually, we're going to be conducting the interview. <laughs> uh, who's the most famous name in your phone book? Uh, you, you two idiots um, said Dan Napoli, mm, right. um, which is the right answer to wind him up, but yeah. it, it yeah. worked. He was not happy. Um, you said Sam Mitchell. Mm. Now we posted the video at ten past eight on a Wednesday night. Did mm. Sam Mitchell call you, and at about what time? Got a FaceTime at eight fifteen. Um, was he best pleased? He was not. <laughs> he was not. It was great to hear from him, though. Oh, uh, that's I how, thought he would have enjoyed it. That's how I opened the conversation, which he didn't take too well to either. Um, no, don't bite the hand that feeds you, I he, say. He felt it was a complete fabrication. Um, well, because just at Kloop, you had said... He's not my coach anymore. You said... <laughs> You would say if, if, he, if, if they were smart, he should be. But <laughs> anyway. You had said Sam Mitchell, but he never calls me anymore. Mm. Um, Beezer said the same thing. And I think Beezer said he got a call as well. Mm. Uh, very, very sharpish. And um, he just, I suppose, I wanted to remind you for some reason. He could have reminded the Box Hill social media family. Because, again, we don't know if he's lying or not. Yeah, it was, I was quite funny to see it pop up. I was at... Um, AFLW training, we were at dinner and uh, Keegan Brooks, he was sitting across from me and he just watched it and he was laughing quite a lot <laughs> and he goes, oh, you'll hear from him. And I, I sort of said it half expecting to hear from him because if I, I feel like I know Sam reasonably well after a year with him. Maybe a cheeky text. Or, yeah, I thought, it, well, the text came at, at, at about 8.11 and <laughs> I hadn't responded. So the, the phone call, the FaceTime came pretty quickly oh, after. Yes. Yep. And, uh, you know, it just raised it to the face and... He's just sort of was quite stern. Uh, I won't go into what he said, but you know, it was along the lines of this is a fabrication. Yeah. You have misrepresented. Yes, my uh, character. One club, one family club. club. <laughs> Four teams, one club. Uh, but yes, it was good, good to hear from him. I'll say that much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is he well? How is he? He is well. <laughs> yeah, he is well. Severely unwell. Yeah. No, he he's seems well. busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, Too busy for you, clearly. Apparently, but that's, that's a shame. Uh, yeah. Do you have one for Portsford? I do. <laughs> Um, and it was it was a really enjoyable moment. I'm going to get to you in a second, Cav. Mm. But oh. Ports, you did our pregame meditation um, against Werribee. Yes. Did you want to talk a little bit about what that is and why you took on the role? So we talk about combat mindset, and this is roughly five minutes before the big team meeting with Proc. We're all strapped and prepped, warm up tops on. It's just a bit of a cue in. Not every player does it, but. It's something to sort of calm us down or G us up depending on you as the individual. It's just sort of a bit of a body scan. You come in and go, how am I feeling? Am I a bit flat? Am I a bit overstimulated? Just trying to focus our breathing, get us all on the same page and really just mentally cue in. And um, Andy Otten, shout out to Andy Otten. Um, Otto, as we, as we affectionately know him as. Um, Otto usually leads the charge, but he was unfortunately not present. Um, which wasn't ideal, and two minutes before combat kickoff, Proc goes, Ports, I'm going to get you to run combat today. And I thought, oh, yeah, right. Um, no worries. And as much as I talk, I, I really don't like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I, I talk quite a lot, but it was very quiet room, all the boys' eyes closed, and I, I, lock, I, start, I start straight away, I lock eyes with James Parsons, who's absolutely pissing himself, and... I'm trying to take this quite seriously. It's a key part of our prep. And I was thrown in the deep end two minutes beforehand and 
it was a bit of a blur what I actually said, trying not to piss myself laughing, trying not to cry, trying to just be a, a stable, you know. You know um, what my delivery. favorite part of the whole thing was? You came off as as a bit substitute teachery. Mm. Is that he's heard Otto do this twenty times. <laughs> he actually doesn't know how to do it himself, but I, I think I remember the nuts Rough and rendition. bolts of it. He did it yeah. very well though. Yeah. I'll give him that. He did. I really like, enjoyed really it. Well. The, high, the highlight. The highlight, I guess, was was you know, I was I was questioning, you know, how how in tune am I going to be with Ports? And I thought he was great. Mm. Right up until he said, we're going to start well this week. We started well last week. We're going to start well this week. And normally, absolute silence. You don't hear, you, don't, you could hear a pin drop. And Ben Kavara choose to go, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which threw me completely. <coughs> Ruined yeah. my whole state of where I was and I could not get back to it. I just, I couldn't agree with him more. Mm. He was spot on. Mm. The highlight for me too was Beza. So Bees was getting, I think he's getting strapped or something and he was in the treatment room and you just hear, uh, when you start talking ports, he's obviously around the corner and he just upright like a meerkat. He goes, this is what is happening. He goes, and he looked at me, he, he mouthed, is that ports? And I've nodded and he just goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's just completely, it was quite good. I well, really enjoyed it. I know, um, if, if there are any brick walls nearby, they probably would have been ran through mm, by a few boys. Oh, I couldn't um, help but agree. But... Yeah, I almost thought of thought of playing a prank on the boys. Like, all right, close your eyes, boys. Be like, g'day, guys, it's Otto here. <laughs> Just get into the combat mindset. But I um I didn't quite have my Otto um impersonation down pat, so I thought I'll just go in as myself and hopefully won't have to do it again. But hopefully, just plugged a hole and it's uh, it's one of my strengths plugging holes. Shout out to uh, oh, you got one. No, I was going to say that plays really really well into knowing when to be serious mm. on game day and when to maybe pull it back because. <laughs> Our next question uh, is about Mason Hawkins. <laughs> and uh, yeah. he made a real real effort to rebrand his nickname mm. from, mm. from Minger, for those who don't know, to, to Hawko. Yeah, he had 53 headouts on the weekend too. Shout out, um, Shout out Hawko. Great stiff game. to not win, you know, some in, internal awards, the 9th man sort of set up. But yeah. he, uh, he had a great game on the weekend before he continued. Just wanted to acknowledge <coughs> Just that. Just wanted to make that, put it on the record. Good, good on you, Minger. I guess the question is, you know, which one do we think has stuck? And <laughs> do you guys have any stories about, you know, potentially how that the second nickname, Hawko, uh, is, is trying to be pushed? I'm going to let – I think Carl's a great storyteller, <laughs> so I'd love for you to explain this story so the listeners get the full picture of what happened on this yeah. so, amazing day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, me, just as much as the next bloke, I, I love gags and, and laughter. Um, and sometimes that takes the form of, you know, funny comments and quite sharp, quick comments, particularly on team meetings, Tuesday, Thursday nights, we watch clips, you make little comments, the, the room laughs, you feel good about yourself. And those are the great times to, you know, pull out a few little one-liners, you know, in, in a group full of people in a meeting. And uh, we had some jumper presentations for Minga's first game um, against Footscray a few weeks back. And Ferg comes to me and he goes, oh... Um, so I'm, I'm presenting Minga's jumper. I said, oh, unreal. That, that'll be great. He'll love it. His family's there. Very proud moment for the family. And um, he's worked hard to get to this moment. So it's, you know, a bit of excitement, but quite serious, I, I would have thought. And um, and anyway, he comes up to me. He goes, oh, I've got something for you. Like, what do you think? Um, you know, like, what what should I do? And I said, oh, well, well what are you thinking? And he goes, oh, well, I'm thinking I'll present the, jump, the, the jumper to him and go, you know, this is Mace. You know, he's playing, blah, blah, blah. 
cheers, go, you know, go the hawk. <laughs> and he goes, I'll basically do, I'll, basically, I'll do the presentation and then at the end of it, I'll say, good luck, hawk, and just let out this, you know, this great cry. The hawk squawk. Caw. Anyway, I said, I said, oh, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you know it's maybe something not to do because I'm, I, I know where the line is and I get too close to it at times. So if I'm not, if even I wouldn't do it's it, it's like, well, bells. maybe you shouldn't. Um, anyway, he did it. He goes, yeah, Mace, this is Mace's jumper. Thanks for his family to come in. Um, yeah, good luck, Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody laughed. It was great. And so that could either make or break. You think a bit of laughter, like you've seen the Jack Higgins when he's at Richmond in the past. You know, you tell a joke before the game. It, it relaxes everyone. We play well. Um, and he did it. And I was just, you know, uh, face palming. I thought, oh, no. And... Then we proceeded to... Go on a three-game losing streak. <laughs> we got, went on a, a, a three-game losing streak. And the most immediate short-term impact is we were kicking with a five-goal breeze and came in five goals down. <laughs> oh. <all the> time. <laughs> so whether, whether the boys' minds were in the right place, uh, I don't know. But I'll do it all again. Yeah, I, I had a great laugh at it, but it was just the fact that he came to me beforehand and said, oh, what do you reckon? You know, it'll, it'll, it, the boys will love it. I said, oh, I wouldn't personally. Still did it, um, and that was the result. But what do we think about? Love it. You asked his opinion, knowing exactly right. <laughs> you were still going to do it anyway. Well, I just needed some confirmation. I knew I was going to do it. I just needed <laughs> someone to fall back on, and I didn't get that from Cal, which is disappointing. <laughs> well, if you don't get it from me, who are you going to get it from? Yeah. Well, uh, I only I, asked one person. I thought he's yeah. a shoe in, and he gave me nothing. <laughs> you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. <laughs> what, what do we think about the idea of uh, Mace actually kind of trying to rebrand himself? I don't think that's really up to the individual. I don't think you get that decision for me. You can't decide your own brand. That's a bit of George Costanza, T-Bone. T-Bone. Yeah. You can't. That's not on you. Nah. What do you reckon, Kelly? I've been around footy clubs long enough to know that you can't do that. Mm. Nicknames just come from others around you. No, you and can't you, And you've just got to accept it. Like Cav. Just like Cav, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, don't, they don't call him Cav for no reason, boys. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll say that much for free. Last one here before we get into quick hands. Um, Ports, you are the club's DJ. Yes. Training, game day, etc. This yeah. is sort of a question in two parts. I mean, how would the boys, how would you rate uh, Ports' work as the club's DJ? Oh, I love it. I think we, we both know what song we really <laughs> appreciate most more than others. What it seems is. to be... We have our favourites. seems to be right when we're about to walk out for our first warm-up and we'll actually hold the group up so we can, we can get our little bit in. Um, but uh, look, it, it does seem to be a similar playlist most weeks. But I, I why, re- why mess with a good thing? If it exactly, broke. I really enjoy it, so I'm happy to keep it running. Um, <laughs> I remember our first game here. We played a practice match against Footscray, and I'd teed up Ports to bring the speaker and, and do the music, and he was running about five minutes late. And Nashy's jumped on oh. and put on some of the most horrendous music I've ever heard pre-game. It was like the slowest, like five minutes until you heard the drop, like deep house, but not that oh. funky. And it was, yeah, it, it was all. It, it sounded like when you're on hold and you <laughs> and you hear the music going across. Sorry, Nashy, you're I'm, in an elevator. Yeah. Shout out to Nashy, by the way. Yeah. Wait, do you reckon he'll be listening? Oh, I think he will. I, yeah. think he will. I, don't, I, don't, I don't reckon he will. Um, I love him though. But I think when you've come from that point, you know, you you learn to appreciate what you've got and, and so that is that is Cal every week for me. Mm. Your thoughts, Cal? Oh, I, I love it. He was the uh, DJ not only at the footy club everywhere he goes but at home too and uh, yeah, I wouldn't change it. 
He, do, he, he has some absolute classics and we've got a couple that we would always listen to in the car together. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the background music he tucks with I, it. I, I often get on the horn, um, on the horn Francis as well. Um, just to add emphasis. When, when we're in the car, like at the best moments, like I'll, yeah. I'll get on the horn. That's what it's there for. And it doesn't matter what Shout time it is. Shout out to Jason. Um, <laughs> He'll be listening. Yeah, I don't think he will. Big, big horn dog. Yeah. He's... He's, 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 he's not the best horn dog I've ever met. That, oh. that, that goes to Stewie Horner. They don't call him horn dog for no reason. Um, <laughs> his last name's Horner, so get your mind out of the gutter. Um, yeah, but back to the DJ. I'm, I'm sidetracked again. Back to the uh, DJing. It's tricky because you can give variety, but um, for me, the three most important things in DJing is uh, consistency, consistency, and consistency. <laughs> <laughs> so. Those three things are really great, um, but it's a. I find me personally the best sorts of songs that I like. I like a bit of house music or sort of dance music, bit of techno stuff. But I also like a bit of rap music as well. I feel like they just go the hardest. So I sort of have a balance between either starting with rap, finishing with house, or starting with house, finishing with rap. Um, shout out to house as well. I think the important thing <laughs> <laughs> with DJing, though, you've got to you've always got to play for the audience, don't you? Mm, very, very. So you, yeah, you've got that, to know that, the audience. That, that that's you've almost got. the fourth on the list. Um, consistency. Yeah. Just after consistency. <laughs> <laughs> in, well, bracket, in brackets, know your audience. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, and sometimes reading the room is important. Um, just in all walks of Do life. Do you have to have a thick skin? Has anyone ever come to you and said, "Ports, this is dreadful." Oh, yeah, no, no you do have to have a thick skin. Um, I found it with my joke telling as well. Like, um, it's not not everybody's going to like it, so mm. you've just got to own it. And, and enough people will like it, I suppose. And the the argument I make is, well, if you don't like it, you, you're more than happy to have a go at, at it yourself. And that usually um, bring a pair of headphones stops people. Yeah, well, I, I, when I see the headphones, I um, I think I will, should I should I give the ball to this person today? Ed Phillips is a big fan of the headphones. Yeah, big, he, big he's filthy. a different. He's 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 different. He, he needs to get in his own space and likes that time. Mm. I think that's a different circumstance than somebody walks in and goes, "Oh, I'm not not the fan of this one and for the fifteenth week in a row. I might roll something else." Yeah, and but like, yeah, you have to you have to really park your ego at the door um, as a DJ. Like, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> No, you, He's gone into this a lot more than I think we thought he no, would. No, you've got to park your ego because sure like, you, you knew this would happen. <laughs> no, well, we had we had some guys like uh, like James Warp will come back to, to play with Box Hill. That was a great asset, and he's a great guy. And we'd, I'd be playing my um, game day tunes. He'd be like, "Oh, Paul, could I just have the phone for a sec? Could, could I cue something?" And I'm more than happy to let him cue something. Because if people don't like it, I go, "Oh no, Warp's actually cued that one, boys. Sorry about that." But so you're happy to throw him under the bus. Yeah, but if people like it, it's like, yeah, boys, I'd pick that one. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm not going to say, oh, nah, I've got, I've set up my playlist perfectly. Warps, don't, don't come near the phone ever again. But yeah, you got to be willing to improvise and let the people, um, you know, do what they want, but also have a strong framework um, to go off. Well, you said you, one of the keys is to make sure you don't burn your good stuff when no one's in the room. Yes, um, that's that's key. You don't want to burn your best tracks when you're all out warming up because. What's the point? Yeah, you know, there's a few people that stick around that may get benefit, but the, like the Colonel, mm. he's, he's not allowed back on a lot of dance floors, the Colonel. They, they don't let him back a few places. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because we used to go out for the double warm-up um, and now we're, we're sort of like we're sort of in, out, in, out a lot. So 
you got to yeah you got to time it either pause the music before you walk out and then click play when you come back in or just you know take that into consideration because the key times are when we're doing our activation inside everybody's on the floor that's key point number one key point number two is when we're just about to run out what's the run out song we usually have a just for anyone just i play a bit of um notorious bit of biggie um bit of, and then a little bit contrasting but then if not that a bit of thunderstruck acdc mm. um especially if we get the bump bags out um that's a beautiful segue into the the, the boys who are in charge of the music tonight while the main training was going on outside, uh, uh, speaking of Thunderstruck, what a uh, duo! James uh, Parsons, famous. Uh, I think it's his favourite track, Thunderstruck. G- Jim Parsons, Sheldon Cooper, Jimmy Parsons. Shout out. Um, mm. And so he and Jordy Cunico were in charge of the tunes tonight, as they were in the gym, more or less alone. There was a coming and going of two, and Thorpey was in there for a little bit. I don't think Thorpey was thinking too much about the music they were playing. It was Thorpey. the most aggressive. Thorpey loves that music. It was the most aggressive <laughs> dance like music I think I've ever heard. I, I walked through the gym. I was in there for. 45 seconds I was exhausted Yeah so Did you have a boogie? It was a, no it was a, the music was attacking me It felt like the bass was so overbearing It was, it it was, was like you at revs It was very enjoyable I actually <laughs> said to Cutie Co I said oh this one Do you reckon you could play one with a bit of bass Jordy? <laughs> this one's pretty heavy When's the next one? He goes no nah, it's a 50 minute set <laughs> <laughs> The building was shaking oh, Wow The Apprentice it was the un- apprentice. <laughs> was yeah. One of the better nicknames. Yeah. Do we want to tell that story? Oh, we can. Um, do you want to do it in or maybe, or maybe you could get Jordy. Get Jordy. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather that, get that, that actually <laughs> leads quite well into get, our get, next get, segment. Like their story, they'll, they'll yeah. tell it. Um, I'm sure fans will want them on the show quite shortly. All right. So it's time now for quick hands. Do we know how that works? Yeah, yep. we've heard it a few times. Love it. So Ports, you're up first. Sheba. We're not going together. No. You're going to go after Ports. Right. And then Ferg's going to go after save the Save the best for last, I say. You're doing quick hands. So well. I'll go first. What's happening with that bit? Well, we'll get to, when we get to it. We'll, you know, it's just word association. Okay. <laughs> we ready? Sort it out, Ferg. It's a long siren. Who wins our best and fairest? Ferg. Funniest teammate? Uh, Cav. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> Favourite footy cliche? Um... One week at a time. <laughs> Love it. Like the podcast. Uh, best trainer? Cav uh, again. John Kavara or Ben Kavara? First person to say Ben should be more. <laughs> Charlie or Hugh Beasley? <sighs> Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> best golfer at the club? Ed Phillips by Country Mile. Your most quoted film? Happy Gilmore. A film that needs a sequel? No, no, don't, don't ruin a good thing. Were you going to go with them? You're going to get. That's you're going to. Is there a film that you think needs a sequel? Oh, sorry. Um, yes, yeah, Step Brothers. Okay, Fergus Green. Legend. <laughs> uh, pre-game meal. Uh, bacon and eggs. Anything with bacon in it pre-game. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll get a laugh out of that. Um, I'm sure they will. Share that to Andy Yotton. And that's all I've got to say. <laughs> uh, we've got one or two more. Go. Live oh, yep. Tour, yay or nay? Nay. Tiger Woods offered 800 million, apparently. I heard it went as high as a billion. Oh. Um, one billion dollars. <laughs> one billion. <laughs> it's uh, a Murphy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, who do you think we should interview next? Uh, Naps and Harry Rook. Ooh, mm. Together Okay I like it 
Dream Team. Yeah. Uh, you ready, Kev? It's a tough act to follow that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speak from the heart. Yeah, right. Who wins our best and fairest? Oh, I think Cal does this year. What footy jumper do you think you look best in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the vintage Frankston Dolphins with the dolphin at the front. Yeah, the angry dolphin. Mm. Uh, funniest teammate? Cal. Charlie or Hugh Beasley? Uh, Huey's wearing me up about that, so I'll say Hugh. Uh, Favourite footy cliche? Uh, God. Contest by contest, one week at a time, same jazz. Favourite ever Milan player? Uh, Andre Pirlo. You wear a size small Guernsey. If ISC made an extra small, would you wear that? <laughs> I actually wear extra, you wear extra small. small yeah. <laughs> um, you've sung plenty of them over the years. Which team song is the best to sing after a win? Uh, the Frankston one. <laughs> he wants to go back to the Dolphins. Yep. Uh, John Cavara or Andrew Cavara? Andrew hasn't had enough love yet. He's had no love. Andreas. <laughs> uh, do AC Milan retain the Scudetto? Yes. Uh, Favourite pre-game meal? Pasta. Mm. And who do you think we should interview next? I'd love to see... Jordy Kuniko and James Parsons together. Like yeah. a package deal. And ask him about those American trips, yeah. those off-season US trips. <laughs> yeah, M Rudder. We'll That's all I'll that. say. We'll lead with that. I've said too much. <laughs> I've said way too much. <laughs> you ready for your yeah. up last? Okay. Come on, Ferret, lift. <laughs> uh, kick a goal or hand it off? Kick a goal. <laughs> Who wins our best and fairest? Ports. Funniest teammate? Ports. Ports? Ports. <laughs> uh, be honest with us. Would you like to win the Frosty? Uh, it's a team game, mate. It's <laughs> Say <fine>. yes. <laughs> we, do it for the, we do it for the team awards. Uh, Frosty. Charlie Beasley or Hugh Beasley? Hugh Beasley. Uh, <laughs> Stu Horner claims he has the best skin fold at the club. Is that correct? Uh, oh, he told me that, actually, yes. I'll say, yeah. Sucky's uh, entered the chat. Yeah, oh. true. <laughs> What's a film that needs a sequel? Uh, ben Twormers. Not bad. Uh, John or Ben Kavara? Uh, Andy. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, Ports' boots used to be white. True or false? True. <laughs> uh, best golfer at the club? Ed Phillips. Where did Cav play his best footy? Uh, any of the 15 other clubs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any pre-match superstitions? Yeah, a couple, but uh, I won't go into them. Too many. Okay. And then lastly, who do you think we should interview? Yeah, I'd love to hear The Apprentice and Parso together. Um, mm-hmm. I think one-on-one... You get a little bit, and it might take a little bit to tease it to, out to, to delve into those stories. Or can you get them together, and they'll just bounce off each other? So you're saying I should start American Trip Emrata? Yep. Yep. <laughs> way too much. You have to ask them about that one. <laughs> we'll lead off with that. Uh, Halloween is, is a big is a big holiday over there. Big. I've said too should much again. I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it again. Oh. Should be bigger here, I think. Yeah. I don't know why. Everything's bigger in Texas, they say. <laughs> that is one of the sayings. Uh, that gentlemen. is correct. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is correct. Oh, very good. Wow. That brings us to a close. Gentlemen, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, what do you make of that, Ferg? Very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, stressful, uh, but very enjoyable. I think, you know, I was lucky enough to have two of the great guests and Kev. Um <laughs> So it was, um, it, you know, just to reminisce over a couple of stories. Um, I think you, you, you know which ones you'll talk about, but then 
as you get into a story, another one pops in. You know, Ports is, yeah. is great at that when he, he – I think he, he did it halfway through where you'll be talking about a story and he gets into another one and you we'll just, don't know, you just don't know where it's going. So it is enjoyable to, when you get, in, get the chance to sit down and go into that stuff. Love it. Thanks you very much for being here, co-hosting and almost kind of guesting as well at the same time. Very mm. good. Uh, Ports, thanks so much. What did you make of it? Thanks, Shawnee. I think you're only as good as your hosts and, um, mm. yeah, should it should be illegal, mm. this sort of content. I okay. <laughs> Lock us We're charging up. for this, aren't we? Yeah, should be illegal. Lock us up and throw away the key. <laughs> What'd you say? We're charging for this, aren't we? You, yeah, you floated a two dollar nineteen price point <laughs> premium iTunes back in the day. Uncut. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> uh, and then, Cav, if only our listeners could see the nineteen eighty four tracksuit top that he's wearing. It looks like oh, it's a beautiful one. Bin. I think he bought it <laughs> in nineteen eighty four. Yeah, the year I was born. Um, no, it's a great podcast. It's it's gone for a very long time. So I hope the listeners. <laughs> Kev has actually set the record mate. the most times looked at a watch during the well past my bedtime, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Those numbers are getting awfully close oh, yeah. to eight. I dare say there'll be a, a lot left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. There'll be yeah. none I, on the cutting room. This, so. this will be just uploaded verbatim. There'll be no oh, cutting. So it's just it's Box Hill uncut uh, after dark. You got to wow. do it. You got to do it. No, no. I don't know what I'm doing. You got to do the song you were singing don't earlier. Do the song. <laughs> No, no, I don't want to Johnny Butcher it. Okay. Shout, Shout out, out to John. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Kombucha. Oh. Johnny Kombucha. How, how is John, by the way? Is he well? Is he severely unwell? <laughs> What's that's happening? That's about a perfect time as ever to end. Thank you very much to our guests. Thank you very much to Budget Car and Truck Rental. Thank you very much to anyone who has listened. And gotten to the end. If you've still made it, uh, I tip my hat to you, I say. <laughs> okay. This is it. Goodbye to everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks, Shawnee.